This is DaiZenshuBX, the podcast, episode 239 for the week of November 14th, 2010. Welcome, welcome to Daizen Chewy X, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Daizen Chewy X. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. What an extravaganza of an episode I have for all of you. Extravaganza! I haven't heard that one in a while. Mary, welcome. Howdy. You are here to do all of the non-topical things with me. <laughs> because clearly with the two subjects at hand, I am not an expert in any <laughs> sense of the word. Right. That's okay. It's all right. Each of us have it's our okay areas. It's okay to be dumb. Hey. <laughs> it's not a matter of being dumb. It's a matter of Mary doesn't play the video game. And also, I don't know about the... Oh, I don't want to spoil it. That's right. I'm going to tell everyone what it is. That's okay. good. We'll start with you are here. Yeah. I'm you're, Mary, and you're Mike. It's you. just us right now. Just for right now. Plenty more people are going to be joining, at least me. I think it's just your split personalities. <laughs> talking to yourself the whole time. What, Different okay. voices. It's not real other people, it's just you. I'm really talented. Yeah, I do a couple filters, record it at a lower bit rate. I can make it seem like it's, it's other people. We look like we have a giant cast of people we right. pull from. It's just Mike. It's not true, it's not true. Mary, you and I, like I said, we're going to do non-topical stuff. We are going to talk about news. We'll do some real short releases, because as we head into the holiday season, amazingly enough, not a lot of stuff. Most of the stuff that's out is out. Yeah, and it's going to pick up, it seems, again, in the new year. And we got an email, but there's so much content in this episode. Mary over there, Mike, Fujito EX over here, going to talk to you all about it. Uh, this episode, I got to tell you what's going on because I'm so excited about it. We have another two topic, like I said, extravaganza of an episode. So many things we've been wanting to do, and we took a couple weeks off here and there. I would just Gotta make up for it in spades. Absolutely. Just gonna double up on topics. I said it, I think two weeks ago. This is one of those episodes for the people who took the survey and said, we want you to podcast until you collapse. All right, I'm gonna do that for you. I split up over the course of the week, though. Right, it's smart that way. So you don't, like, burn out all in one session. We're not that talented. We've done really long episodes before, and my throat is burning by the time we're done. Usually we're drinking when we're doing those long episodes too. That's not what this is about. This is split up, different cast of people, different expertise. The first topic we have for you this week is long forgotten video game characters. Characters original to Dragon Ball video games that did not appear in the manga, in the TV series, in the movies. And of course we're talking about that because of Raging Blast 2, which is recently out, and the return of Hachiyaku in the game. So we wanted to say, alright, there's a whole bunch of other characters. Who's interested who would you like to learn about? Mary, All of them, I, I haven't heard of any of them. No, no, for that's one. not true. You're familiar like with two. a couple of them. There's two I heard of. All right, which now we're not going to spoil. Yeah, that. yeah. Keep it a surprise. That's a really, really fun discussion. Joining me for that is going to be Jake or Herms from Constantai, and a new voice for the show, Lance, who those of you who visit Dyson X might recognize as Gaffer Tape on our forum. The second discussion is the current hotness going on right now. Raging Blast Two. We're going to give you our in progress review of it. Like I've said before on uh, the show, what we seem to be doing is the podcast is our as we're playing the game, giving you our thoughts. It's like a quasi blow by blow. Yeah, yeah. 
Whereas your final written review that goes up on the site is kind of like, okay, you've digested the thing for a while. Definitely. You've gotten your thoughts down. Right. It's not quite so off the cuff as uh, the podcast. Right, right. It gives me a chance review. to collect my thoughts. I use the podcast as an outline. It's my dirty little secret. It's how I oh, form. Oh, shit. You said it. <laughs> so joining me for that is going to be another new voice for the show. We're bringing in new people. We're trying things out, seeing what works, what doesn't, who we're going to kick to the curb, who doesn't work now. These are all fantastic people. Very conversational, very fun time. As you'll tell from the discussions, I mean, we just love talking about this stuff. That's going to be Dustin. You may recognize as Inagada Dabida from I the Dive Engine. I love that name, form. by the way. It's like my favorite username ever that I've it's ever seen. It's a good seen. name. And we'll talk about where that name comes from as well when we introduce him because it's uh, fun stuff. So we got all those fun voices joining me to talk about various things this episode. It's very video game centric, but um, if you're not into the current video games, that first topic is going to be those forgotten characters. And even if you don't care about the game, themselves, I guarantee you the characters and their backgrounds specifically are absolutely fascinating. I see you smiling over there as I was telling you about some of them. I know. Like, what? I've never heard of this like, what before. What the hell are they smoking when they came up with that? Uh, so before we get to the topics, we have your news, but any housekeeping we got going on? Mary, you and I did do an episode last time. We talked about plan to eradicate the super science. I don't think we've heard from you about, I don't think you've listened to it since, the new Trunks image song um do you remember it at all i just keep forgetting to ask you about it i only vaguely remember the chorus i only heard the song once i was like oh that was fun okay but i'm not so much of a fangirl that i feel the need to go back and revisit it no no okay but i don't dislike it i don't remember being like ew that was crappy no because i i've heard you mention some of these other songs You're like "Eh, i really don't care about these but i felt like that one was and heath and i talked about that uh, a little bit ago that was really the standout track of that new cd okay and I, i think you should revisit it. I think I should too. I think it's good stuff. Um, the only other housekeeping thing I want to get to, and it is video game related, but since you're not going to be around to talk about the game later, do you have any impressions just from watching a little bit of Raging Blast 2 now that it's been My impression for a bit? is somewhat skewed because you replaced the music with your <laughs> did, own custom bit. track and it seemed like it made the game better by leaps and bounds just uh, by changing out the music. I'm trying out a few different things. I've been playing vocal songs from over the years like the Sparking Meteor opening all, all the Hironobu Kageyama songs. And then I tried putting in some of the old Super Famicom through PlayStation era background music, some of my favorite tracks, and that's been fun. I think the next thing I'm going to do is try putting in some Kai background music. Yeah. See how that works. I'm surprised see, you haven't done that yet. I, I'm working my way through it. In terms but, of my general impression, Yeah, what do you got? It seems like the camera's much improved right off the bat. I was able to tell that. The character looks... I don't have as much of a problem with them as you seem to. Okay. I think the backgrounds look interesting, but when I hear and watch you play, I hear the general pattern of... Being, you know, the pattern of the hits. Yeah. And I can't think of anything more repetitive and boring than that, and that yeah. makes me not want to play at all. <laughs> I totally hit, get hit, that. Hit, 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 hit. Big hit. Hit, 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 hit. Big hit. Charge, 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 charge. Dash in. Hit, 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 hit. Big hit. That's exactly what I was talking about with the PSP game review, too. That's so funny. You pick up on that just as a viewer of these games. More of a listener. Yeah. Because I'm, like, off reading or or doing something else. But we're going to talk a lot more in depth. I'll be talking with Dustin about that later on, Raging Blast 2. Just wanted to get your, your thoughts while you're right here. So uh, with all that, out, and we don't have any real big updates coming on the site just yet. I uh, checked in with Julian. He just 
just got internet. It was late. He just got his internet back at his house. So what's wrong with Japan? I don't know. So he's not going to be joining us for this week. Hopefully we can get him for a Molly review of awesomeness next week. I'm dragging Jeff over here. I'm getting Julian. You have to on somehow the get Jeff to even read the manga between now and next weekend. I will get it to him. I will. It's not like he lives that far away. Come on, I'll drive out there. That's what we're doing next week. So look forward to that. Uh, I guess we're good. Talk okay. about news. Yes, do it. Mary, you're leading us off. This is uh, fresh this week. Yes, new music. So uh, this should come as no surprise. It's the CD single for the Raging Blast 2 opening called Battle of Omega by Hironobu Kageyama, our boy, due to come out December 22nd for 1200 yen. Catalog number is LACM4775. There is no track listing or cover art just yet, but we usually get that pretty soon before it's due. Yeah, I mean... It takes a while. We hear about it now, and then we'll see the track listing cover art like a week before it comes out. Okay, so. despite that, you can still pre-order it up on CD Japan, and you'll provide a link, I suppose. Yeppers. Okay. Yeah, these CD singles, we don't hear any of those details and so until so late. What we can probably expect is the opening theme, a B-side, and karaoke versions of whatever those cool. two songs are. I do like the theme song for that game. This new game? Yeah. Yeah, it's I'm rockin'. enjoying it too. Good stuff. Uh, so other video game related stuff. This is really interesting. This should just be a video game show. What the hell's going on here? <laughs> There's other stuff, I guarantee you. Uh, Namco Bandai recently trademarked two new titles. Now, this original article, I think it was Siliconaria. I actually can't rem- I don't know how to pronounce the name of that site, but you'll, you'll see a lot of kind of breaking, fun little news stories coming out of them. They noted that Namco Bandai trademarked two new titles, insinuating that they're Dragon Ball related. Now, the thing is, I my Japanese searching is very, very poor, admittedly so. I did make my way into the Japanese trademark office searching through these titles. I found the filings. What's important to note is that the word Dragon Ball is not associated with either of these titles. The titles that were registered were Ultimate Butoden and Zenkai Battle Royale. Zenkai being written in our alphabet's letters and then Batoru Royale. Now, Mary, the word Butoden, that's something very familiar to uh... Dragon Ball fans. Yeah, that's from the 90s games. Yeah, Super Famicom, we had one through three. And then on the Sega Saturn, we had Shin Butoden, which it was a fun game. It was kind of like an upgraded port of Ultimate Battle 22, but then it pulled in the split screen from the Super Famicom games. So the word Butoden, not that it has never been used outside of Dragon Ball, but it's pretty likely that that might be Dragon Ball related. At this point, assumptions are right, still... Right. The other title, Zenkai Battle Royale. Now, the article on this site fell into a pretty common trap. There's, it seems to be a Funimation dub thing, which is very interesting because the word Zenkai never shows up in the original Japanese version as meaning what it seems that Funimation dub fans assume to mean the word means, if you can follow that. There's this, it's basically a fan term that people think means that Saiyan power up when they recover from near death. We've talked, I think we've talked about it on the show before. Right. It's never used that way before. People just adopted it as a fan term. Now, this article kind of used that as proof of this will be a Dragon Ball game. So it's important to note that's a fan term. It's never been used officially. Would it be used officially in a game title? Uh, then we have Zenkai Power as the closing theme, the, the first closing theme to DBZ. So Mary, let me ask you, probability of these games being Dragon Ball related, knowing they're coming from Namco Bandai, which does have the rights to Dragon Let's Ball? Let's say 80%, yeah. On both of them? Or yeah, one or yeah. the other? I mean, if we go by the, the trend of the last two years of the amount of games coming out, sure, True. why the heck not? Mm-hmm. 
But I like to always be somewhat cautious and a little bit skeptical. Right. I, I think that's important here. It's like if, if the word Dragon Ball wasn't with any of these two, you can't 100% say, yeah, these are totally it. But I say they're both very DB-centric words. Yeah, yeah. The Batoden thing and the Zenkai thing, despite the second one being more fan-based. Right, right. So it's likely... A fact the article got completely right was, yeah, Namco Bandai has announced there will be a game coming out for the 3DS, a Dragon Ball game. Could one of these be that? Very likely. We're just not going to know anything about it until it's announced. It's one of those things where we can speculate all we want, but there's some trademark filings sitting out there and maybe something will come of them. So let's uh, forget video game stuff for a while. Let's talk about DVDs. All right. So anyone who purchased the orange brick set for DBZ season three, there's going to be, uh, I think it was the last thousand or so pressings of it had an error. Is something so, like the last month or so if you bought it? Yeah, like sometime in the middle of October, if you bought this thing from October onwards, you probably have a screwed up disc where I think disc two was disc five by accident. Accident. So right. they're, uh, Funimation's doing a replacement program. You can email product concerns, it's all one word, at Funimation.com to get a replacement disc. So obviously, you know, with our show, we're going to say, hey, you know, if you're going to be stuck with a screwed up set anyway, just ditch it and go for the Dragon Boxes. But we don't want to make your purchasing decisions for you. Yes, we'll we just, do. We'll just highly urge that you maybe <laughs> look at this other product out We're there. Very but, highly kind of nudging you in the side there going, eh, what year is it? What should you be buying right now? But yeah, if, if you bought it, we're very, very sorry for a variety of reasons. At least get a fixed disc if you want to buy it or yep. keep it. It's good that they're doing a replacement program, though. That's a pretty wacky issue. They've had a couple issues lately. Was there was it Birdie the Mighty that they had I think some so. recall issues with as well? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're cranking stuff out. Of course, there's going to be issues occasionally, but at least they're doing the right thing and they're owning up to it and giving you something to do right away to correct it. Other Funimation news. This is truly, truly significant. Dragon Ball Movie 1. We've This is another one where it's information came out. There was a trailer. There was a pre-review. And then it was... Um, we're not going to mention this. We're not going <laughs> to talk about this for a long time. And then it got theoretically delayed to December. Yes, it is finally for reals. Dragon Ball Movie 1 coming from Funimation on December 28th of this year for only $14.98. It is going to be 4x3. We can probably expect this to be a similar style to what the Dragon Ball Blue Bricks were. It was decent enough remastering full frame. Nothing really complained about there. Not Dragon Box, but we'll take it. The most significant thing about this is that it was one of the first things Funimation ever did back in about 1995. Right. We have never, never gotten an uncut home release of this. This will be the first time that North American fans can buy this movie uncut and in Japanese from Funimation. That is truly, truly exciting. On the flip side, it is getting a new dub. This is, we all assumed if it was going to be delayed, this is probably why. It is confirmed to have an updated cast a la the Kai dub. So you're going to have um, Monica Real as Bulma, um, Colleen Klinkenbeard as Goku, replacing Stephanie Natalie Nadalny. I don't know her name. Um, there's also a new narrator in there as well. But uh, uncut, first time, we're finally getting around to this movie. Yay! Very, very exciting. Uh, we actually reviewed this movie based on the Dragon Box release way back on episode 112. I don't even remember that. Really? I don't even remember what that movie's about, to be <laughs> honest. 
which which movie is this? This was two years ago that, that we reviewed it. It's the first Dragon Ball movie. It's with King Gudumess. He's that big monster, and I think he ate a Dragon Ball. Is that the one with the rubies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Funimation calls it Curse of the Blood Rubies. Gotcha. We've got Bongo and Pasta and Pansy in there, little girl. Remember, she's in Get That Dragon Ball yeah. opening with the little slingshot. Uh-huh. I keep thinking but- she's an actual character in the show because of that opening. <laughs> no, no, just the Dragon Ball movie. Very, very exciting. Uh, so this is narrowing down those outstanding items that Funimation just has not gotten to. That's it. That's the news for this week. Cool. Very, very nice. You're going to take a break for a while. Ah, I'm going to sleep. We'll catch up with you in a little bit and we'll do uh, releases and emails. Next up, though, long forgotten original video game characters. The first of two topics this week on the show, we have a video game extravaganza. Those of you who aren't necessarily interested in hearing about the most recent video game, we wanted to dive back into obscurity and just dig up these amazing relics of Dragon Ball video game history. It's something I've been wanting to do on the website for the longest time. I was joking before we started recording. It's the kind of thing where I start working on it and as you dig deeper and deeper, you realize there's so many of them that it's almost impossible to cover in the kind of depth I want to. So uh, to talk about forgotten original video game characters with me, I have two folks. Back on the show for the first time in quite a while, Jake, Mr. Herms from Konzentai, rocking a new microphone as of uh, about 11 minutes ago. Pretty much. (laughs) It's how we roll here on the podcast. Something explodes and someone's got to take a trip. That is basically what happened. It's exactly like a scouter. It just heard a noise. It couldn't comprehend blew up <laughs> well uh this new one can handle the higher frequencies i'm hoping hopefully it's good to have you back and uh coming on the show for the first time someone who stood us up several weeks ago but it's okay because i learned that electricity ceased to exist or was it just your internet uh, it was it was just internet uh, i was i was really hoping that maybe uh, herms being late tonight was sort of uh sort of to draw attention away from uh that little uh <laughs> that little faux pas of mine it happens. Everyone gets one. Uh, Lance, welcome to the show. You go by Gaffer Tape on uh, the Daizen Shui X forum, but you have a couple different names and you make a couple different things. So I'm going to let you take a minute here and explain what the hell you do. Ooh, shameless plug. Uh, yeah, I'm Gaffer Tape on the forums, uh, but I also have a YouTube channel. I go by Mister Fusion. Uh, just do a bunch of nerdy review videos. Gotten into Dragon Ball a few times uh, on the subject. In fact, uh, to this day, my uh, my Dragon Box One review is still still gets more attention than anything else I've ever done before or since. Still get comments on that pretty much every day of people. That is blasphemy because my favorite video, and I've mentioned it a few times, is the Star Trek and Dragon Ball little, oh my god, look at this number on a helicopter. Oh yeah, funny funny, funny story about that is that uh, well, first of all, that I, I nearly freaked out when I when I was listening to the podcast, sort of, you know, half paying attention, and all of a sudden I heard my name. And <laughs> <laughs> but but also, uh, a, a little while later I went back and checked my, uh, my YouTube YouTube statistics and on the day that you actually actually it was the day that you uh you embedded that video in your blog uh-huh. uh my, my hits for my hits for that day just skyrocketed <laughs> good to hear good to hear we want to spread the love you know i haven't done an inconsistency video in a while i mean that's a whole nother story in and of itself but this is the kind of stuff i mean we're talking about long forgotten video game characters we are the kind of people who notice this one little thing and we will talk about it to whoever 
never will listen to us talk about it. And that's why I've gathered this group here because you know, we all enjoy digging into this stuff and bringing it to the masses who may otherwise have never heard about it before. So, thank you both for joining me. I am so excited to talk about these forgotten old video game characters from Dragon Ball. The reason we're doing this, it may be pretty obvious. Raging Blast 2 has just come out for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. And as we all know, it has this remade feature, Plan to Eradicate the Super Saiyans. They've dug back 13, 14 years into history. Or is it 17 years? Yeah, my numbers are off. It's like 17 years? Was it 93? Well, I guess it would depend on what you're talking about. Which version? The NES one? That's true. The original Famicom version. Famicom to Video to Playdia. Here we are from 1993 all the way to 2010. They've brought back this original storyline and this original character, Hachiyaku, who's Hachiyak, if if you're going by the... It rolls off your tongue there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, They've dug back and they brought this obscure character from this... I guess it's not really one game since it was remade a few times. It's got its own history, which is kind of fun to read into. But we decided... All right, clearly they are not going to finish with Raging Blast 2. If past is any indication, Spike is probably going to do a trilogy of games. We will have a Raging Blast 3 probably in November 2011. So I've always thought, who would be another one of these obscure game probably villains to bring back? And obviously they want to recycle the past. So let's dig into that past and talk about these characters. What we're going to do is I originally wanted to be a top five well we had too many great characters to talk about so it's going to be a top seven let's say it's one for each dragon ball but after we spend some time talking about these seven i think we'll cruise through some of the other original characters to games these are characters who appeared new and exclusively in a dragon ball or dragon ball related as you'll see video game they are not in the manga not in the tv series not in the movies not in any of that extra stuff so in this hypothetical dream world or are these characters going to get their own half hour animated special on the on Raging Blast 3 as well. <laughs> Absolutely, because this is the trend we want, where we want them to repackage our youth to us in new ways, rather than bothering to come up with a new story. I just want the same <laughs> shit regurgitated. We gotta, we gotta find new ways to, to, to give them our money. Well, new, new old ways to give them our money. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, if they're gonna do it, we'll call them out on it and then pay them anyway. That's my plan. It's the American way. <laughs> it's Japanese way, too. Super Battle Collection, change the color of the hair, new figure. Done. So, the first character we are going to start out with from an equally obscure video game called VRVS. It was an arcade-only game released in Japan. I think it was 1994 and ran on some Sega hardware. The final villain of the game is a character called Majin Ozoto. Although, if you play the game in English... His name is Ozoto the Super Monster. Now, Jake, Mr. Herms. Yes. You have, and I didn't tell you I was going to be asking you this. Oh, no. (laughs) You have the most wonderful theory on where this character may have come from. But before you explain that story, can you tell us a little bit about him, his appearance, what he does in the game? Okay, first off, it should be said that he's apparently was designed by Toriyama. Although I haven't found official confirmation on this because, frankly, there's there's not much official information on the game out there. Right, there's almost nothing. There's not even a Japanese Wikipedia page for it. Wow, wow. And 
you know, they Japanese Wikipedia has pages that are list all the enemies and all the old DB games going back to the Famicom. So it's I don't know why they've overlooked this one. But anyway, word on the street is that he was designed by Toriyama. And in the game, he's the final boss. And he's this big three eyed guy with horns. And he looks basically like a cross between Frieza's second form and Janemba's transformed form. Yeah, you know, I would throw a little Dabra in there, too, maybe. I see Raccoon's Ex- chin in there. Yeah. <laughs> Except he actually would have uh, predated Janemba, although kind of interestingly. Anyway, so he has three eyes and he shapeshifts. He's like, uh, who's the guy from Mortal Kombat? Oh, uh, Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung? Yeah. They kind of, I guess, took, um, I don't know how well-known Mortal Kombat is in Japan, but they it's the same gimmick. You fight him, and he, ju- he just transforms into the other characters of the game at random, into these uh, black and white versions of them, basically. Right, right. Because they were apparently too lazy to give him attacks of his own. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have no idea if he has any backstory. And, you know, when you defeat him, he just goes, impossible, this can't be, and dies. Unpossible? Un- <laughs> is that what he says? <laughs> Exactly. He's not known for his grammar. Right. Well, I mean, the English text in the arcade version is a little suspect at times. I mean, right away, Majin Ozoto, and then his name in English is Ozoto, the super monster. That's that's even weirder than Jen. <laughs> <laughs> they just made up their own thing. So I guess that's him in the game. He's really just the final boss. He's a ripoff of Shang Tsung, if, if you want to go that route. But I want to take it over to, Jake, your theory on where he comes from. Okay. The thing is, this is a kind of controversial subject, but in the Daizenshu, they explain that Tin Shinhan is in fact a descendant of an alien race called the Three-Eyed Tribe, which explains not only the fact that he has three eyes, but also why he can grow arms out of his back and split into four people. And this may be actually a reference to the Osamu Tezuka manga The Three-Eyed One, which has another race called the Three-Eyed Tribe, but that's a whole different tangent. Anyway, so my theory is that Ozoto is, in fact, a full-blooded member of the Three-Eyed Tribe. Oh, I should say, Tinshinan is a distant descendant of the Three-Eyed Tribe. Right, He's right. not full-blood. You know, they just, um, it doesn't give too much background, but the idea is that they found their way to Earth and just blended in like the Saiyans and uh, did. Not the Namekians, but... <laughs> <laughs> Namekians so, never interbred, but... So, like the Saiyans in Dragon Ball Online, where at some point there's just Saiyan blood in the population. Pretty much. And so, my theory is that Uzoto is a full-blooded member of the Three-Eyed Tribe, and so you know, he has three eyes, and he shapeshifts, and so, after generations of interbreeding with the Earthlings, this shapeshifting ability got diluted into merely being able to split into multiple people and grow arms and whatnot. I have to say, this is one of the most convincing arguments I've heard in quite some time. If only because yeah. I, I can't seem to counter it in any way. It yeah. does see, seem to make the... I, I've never been a big fan of the, the three-eyed uh, tribe explanation myself, but this that, that makes it almost that makes it sound almost palatable to me, just uh, tying it into some sort of story element, even if it is just a you know random VR uh, arcade game from back in the day. Azure, we didn't note that the game you play in first person, so it's uh, very different from games you've ever played if you haven't played this one. It's kind of like Super Punch-Out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, in a way. Uh, you see your character's limbs, and I think that's about it. So, there you go. That is kind of the, the first one we wanted to lead off with. He's the boss character, like Hachiyaku. So, if they were to do a Raging Blast 3, I feel like this would be the obvious, obvious being in quotations there, the obvious choice to bring back for uh, a villain. And he's got a story that they can steal from you, Jake. So, I mean, you've written it right there already. <laughs> Exactly. It's 
It's my genius plan all along. <laughs> to write Dragon Ball. It's perfect. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to kind of jump back in time and uh, go from two to seven chronologically now. We're going back to Shenlong no Nazo from uh, the Famicom. It's one of the first, it's not the first game. I think that was one of the um, cassette-based games that came first, but it's essentially the first Bandai game that anyone ever played. This is Dragon Power that we got in the US, right? Yep. Right. right so I feel like you may have played this game. I've joked about this on the podcast before that like Battletoads, I'm fairly certain that there are not any stages beyond the third stage <laughs> of this game because it's fairly impossible and you also get bored at some point. But Jake, you did some digging and... Uh, there is an original villain in this game, which I never reached. Tell me about Kurilian. Boy, I have no idea how to best pronounce that name. <laughs> well, I guess explain what the name is, and maybe that's for the best. So it's a combination of Kurilian. Oh boy, this is going to be great. Okay, Krillin <laughs> and Alien, right? He's the alien version of Krillin for some reason. And okay, I have to credit uh, Olivier Haig on the forum for first making an off handed reference to this guy. And that kind of is what gave me the thread to find out more info on him. And so this was another enemy character designed by Toriyama for the game. And he's, as the name implies, he's Krillin, only an alien. He has four arms and this... Well, hold up. So he is also a distant member of the Three-Eyed Tribe. <laughs> no, he doesn't have three eyes. Oh, okay. I don't know. Remember the so four how, how does he relate then uh who i mean is is he really in like like could he even put into an alien device and made into an alien or this guy looks just happens to look like him or just happens to look like him it's kind of weird it's funny how they never explain he's wearing krillin's uniform you know the orin temple uniform right that yeah. he first appears in and that's the only connection <laughs> yeah his face doesn't look like him it's an MB. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's some script on his on his on his yeah, outfit yeah. It's, it's, it looks like it says mp and i have no idea what that's supposed to mean <laughs> i don't know martian police <laughs> <laughs> oh oh moon patrol maybe because he appears on the moon oh i'm all getting right. a, i'm getting ahead of myself but okay so he's got Krillin's outfit, forearms, big Spock ears, high alien forehead, weird snout nose kind of thing. And this is, I'm describing the illustration that Toriyama drew, which is actually very different from the sprite of <laughs> yeah, him. It as it yeah, it looks like a Frankenstein monster with forearms in the sprite. Yeah. And so... You know, he has nunchucks. It's great. He has all these weapons in his forearms. The thing about uh, the Mystery of Shenlong video game is that it adapts the first two uh, volumes of the manga, you know, the first Search for the Dragon Balls. And then after that, it just makes stuff up. <laughs> now, it, has, um, it has the Kung Fu tournament, which, you know, it has a tournament, but not the Tenkaichi Budokai. It has this whole thing they made up. And then it has, after that, Goku goes into space. <laughs> he goes to the... Well, okay, I should say it kind of adapts the Red Ribbon Army arc in a way. It's like Goku, he wants to find the four-star ball, you know, his grandfather's memento, and so he starts a search for him, and the first one is on the moon. Of course. For some reason. Wow, it's like, this- it's, like, it's like this game ended up inspiring the Frieza arc in Dragon Ball GT, and wow, Pretty- we just have all of our <laughs> seeds of, yeah. of something in here. Anyway, so he goes to the moon, and it's there's this old lady who I have no idea where she came from, but she's on the moon, and she explains to Goku that he needs to get oxygen 
oxygen capsules to survive as he moves along. <laughs> if only he had known this on Namek. Right, right. <laughs> so much easier. And so he goes along, and of course, if you remember the manga, who's on the moon? Right, right. You have uh, the rabbit. Yeah, Tonin Jinka. Tonin Jinka, right. The carrotizer bunny, as I like to call him. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, boss of the rabbit gang, he was sent there by Goku er, in both the manga and the vid- earlier in the video game, and so he wants revenge, and so he's hired Krillian. Krillian. <laughs> I, I still don't know how I want to pronounce it, but this guy, he's the number one assassin in the universe. Oh, wow. So he's got Tao Pai Pai one up here. <laughs> and so he comes along, he sends this guy after Goku, and he's actually the weakest enemy in the game, more or less. Oh, I guess that's Even the joke. There's this, you know, this is great. I found this uh, scan from this official strategy guide for the game, and it says in big letters, you know, Kuri Lian is weak. <laughs> <laughs> And it just says, you know, okay, he shoots out his, he doesn't even have any of the weapons in the sketch Toriyama drew. He just shoots out his arms. And if you jump over them and get close, you're just stop attacking and you just punch him and he dies. There's a video of someone doing this on YouTube and it's great. He's just doesn't, you know, he just stands there. Excellent. We will link to that video then. Because like I said, I'm fairly certain that other than this one person, no one has gotten this far in the game because (laughs) it's just impossible. And, you know, I found this uh, Japanese website that was going over a kind of, uh, you know, a history of the DB games on the Famicom and how terrible they pretty much all are. Yeah, yeah. And it's noting that, you know, the irony of Toriyama, you went through all this effort to design this new character and they stick him in level 11 <laughs> out of 14 of a game that's more or less impossible to get past level 6. Right. Yet even the, the website agrees with you. It's like saying, you know, basically no one who played the game would ever see this guy. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just in the end there. And for whatever reason, the game is set up so if you die after level 11, you have to restart there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> anyway, and then, okay, the weird thing is, you know, you, you kill him that first time and nothing else is said about him. But in the final level of the game, which is, uh, I believe it's Kompei Tower, which um, is apparently this ripoff of Muscle Tower. Okay. And there's this are, we, are, are we still in space? No, <laughs> that's actually, a good question. <laughs> the space thing. Okay, Goku, after he beats Kuri Lian, he uh, fights Tonin Jinka and beats him and gets the Dragon Ball, but it's not the four star ball. So he goes back to Earth and he goes through all these places, the jungle and all this stuff. And then finally gets to the Kompei Tower. And there's this random enemy who looks exact, well, a lot more like Toriyama's sketch of Kuri Lian <laughs> than the actual sprite <laughs> identified in the game as him. You know, you can actually, in this sprite, you can actually see the uniform. When you fight him, he, does, he doesn't look a, he doesn't have the uniform. He doesn't look a thing like the sketch, but here they have a good representation of him for, I have no idea what reason. Wow. Think it was a mistake or did they or, or was it just the, like bad Famicom, you know, graphic capabilities or I mean, it's, it's, it's sort, of, sort of reminds me of like uh, the American Super Mario Brothers 2 where they have like Birdo and Ostro in the instruction manual. Right. Flip. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is the background of the moon is kind of the same shade of green as uh, Curry Lian. So maybe they couldn't make uh, the shade of green that he is in the later, more accurate sprite. When he actually appears he, first, he's black, more or less. Okay. And so I wonder if they had the sprite worked out, but it didn't fit the background. You know, they, you right, wouldn't be right. able to make them out enough. So they changed it to this thing that doesn't really look 
as similar to the original sketch, but at least it stands out from the background, I guess. Fantastic. Yeah, these are true professionals. That's right, that's right. So uh, I guess we'll rank them as we go along. What is the likelihood of Crudillion showing up in Raging Blast 3? Jake, what do you think? Uh, Probably three to eight. <laughs> All right, Lance, what do you think? Uh, I'd say more like a two to five, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Although I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him, though. Apparently he got around most, you know, best assassin in space. Apparently a master of shapeshift too, if he can look different yep. in two parts of the game. Does the actual uh, Kudin appear in the in the game at all before this point? Um, which point? Before you fight the alien? Yeah. Oh, the oh the non-alien one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the real, the, the real actual character. one. I don't, you know, I don't remember. I think so. But I'm not sure. I'm fairly certain <laughs> I've played as far as uh, meeting Oolong, and that was it. Oh, and I should point, uh, just toss out that I, uh, someone said on the forums when I wrote about this that in the English version, Dragon Power, you know, they removed all the references to Dragon Ball. But, right. So uh, this Kuri Lian is called Knucklehead in that version. <laughs> Great. the first letter, right? <laughs> All right, so with him down, <laughs> I feel like we're going in order of how much we have to say about them. Uh, you guys, we, before we start recording the show, we're kind of ranking who we wanted to talk about. We've decided that we're going to talk now about, this character doesn't even have a name. It's just Alien from Planet Synthesizer from Daima Fukatsu on the Famicom as well. I mean, that's more or less his name. I don't know. Well, tell me about him. I'm not entirely sure exactly how he fits into the plot of the game if at all because you know i don't have a famicom or any of these games i've just been looking at the youtube videos that i can find this is funny because i actually own this game but i don't uh, have a, a pin adapter to play it on my nes and i've never bothered to emulate it either so i'm <laughs> as blank as you are here the thing about the i'm just going to call it revival of the demon king is that it's based on the daimo arc but it kind of similar to Mystery of Shenlong, it takes really weird liberties for no real reason a lot of the times. It's really funny. Like, for instance, you meet Yajirobe in Penguin Village, and instead of uh, Taopaipai, you fight Suru Senen. Huh. But otherwise, he, he fills the exact same role, and um, all kinds of things. And instead of, you know, uh, Daimao, he doesn't use the Dragon Balls to regain his youth. He uh, absorbs energy from people, and he has this random hideout in West City. Like, it's just his ordinary building, and he's hold up there instead of the space uh, the you know Pilaf's airship right right well this is a character who does not appear in the series and is new for the game tell me about this alien here I guess to set up to defeat Daimao you have to get the seven dragon balls and he has the last one and he's in a UFO and you have to knock the UFO down with the the Nioibo and so it crashes (laughs) and he comes out and it's this he looks like a giant lizard you know big lizard tail wearing football armor you know the short big shoulder pads and he has two heads and each of the heads has this mask that looks like the shredder ninja turtles and he has these attacks he has like the black hole fist or something and the, or the omega wave or you know these kind of vague sci-fi space themed attacks and you just fight him and he gives you the last dragon ball and then after that i think you go and fight piccolo the thing is i don't know if he's supposed to be related to piccolo because when he comes out of the saucer he mentions symbol he says like oh i'm way different than symbol because this is after you beat symbol okay and you know synthesizer obviously that's musical themed oh okay i wasn't even thinking about it that way i was thinking more along the lines of absorbing things into you maybe someone who's played i know adamant on the forum has played the game and has written about how bad it is 
So maybe he can shed some light on, you know, how he figures into things a little more. It's a recurring theme here. They're all bad. I wish there was a picture here, though, because this sounds like like one of the coolest character designs. Yeah, that's why I mentioned him. I'm going to have to link to the video or something. Yeah, we'll link to as many videos as we can with these, if not screenshots. He's the goofiest looking thing, and there's not really much to him in the game, but... Oh, that's fine. All right, so we'll move on. Oh, I guess before we move on, likelihood of aliens showing up in Raging Blast 3, Jake? Um, Probably about as good a chance as you being in the game. Alright. <laughs> Lance, what do you think? Oh, I was going to negative two. Negative two, alright. <laughs> we'll move on to the next character. Um, Again, I keep referencing before we start recording, is we just have so much fun before we even start going with the podcast. Lance, I'm going to ask you to read this description again. This is actually, this is a character from uh, Legacy of Goku 2. Um, and apparently this is exactly what what his description is in the game itself. His name is just Mayor. This dog is the beloved mayor of West City. He is a major advocate of dogs' rights. He has served four terms as the mayor of West City and will soon be running for a fifth term. <laughs> I love it. This is not going to be the last of our American-made characters here because Legacy of Goku 2 was an American-made game. Jake, I, you and I have both played this game. I didn't even remember this character being in there, but tell me, you can go around, you can scan people and get descriptions? Yeah, they have you know the scouter in the game. And so you, the great thing is you can scan everyone, not just enemies. And they all have stats in Legacy of Goku 2. They took that out in three but you know you can scan a butterfly and it gives its hp and its attack and defense <laughs> it's all ones for the butterfly right and you can scan squirrels and random people and regular namekians and you know you can see that the namekians are the re- average namekian is stronger than the average earthling and all this crazy stuff and it has really elaborate bios for everyone you all the major characters you scan and less than major as is the case for the mayor of West City. Such a great inclusion. And I really love that part of that game. And it's kind of sad because in the third game, they really uh, shortened it down. Like everyone, all the bios are limited to about a sentence. Right. Yeah. I mean, Boost Fury, they enhanced a, a lot of aspects of the, I mean, one to two to three, they really developed the, the gameplay and the stats and how you upgrade your characters, but feel like it was at the expense of some of this other fun stuff. It's an American made game, but there was a lot of love put into Legacy of Goku 2 in particular, and this is just one of those showcases. While we're on the subject, or no, if you scan Marin, uh, Krillin's girlfriend, right. it says, like, a scanner or scouter can detect no brainwaves. <laughs> perhaps, <laughs> perhaps the scouter is mis- uh, malfunctioning. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I mean, they know their source material, too. Exactly. I just love the idea that, that apparently, no matter where you go in the Dragon Ball world, your your leaders are going to be dogs. Yes. I, I don't know. Just there's some reason that the fact that he's a big advocate of dogs' rights just, just really speaks volumes to me about what kind of culture the Dragon World would be. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm probably thinking way too much into this, but I'm just thinking about, like, you know, pro-dog rallies. And... No, no, it's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, they can obviously get into positions of power, but somehow they their rights are still an issue. That's fascinating. Come on. I mean, now. like, is 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 it just dogs, or is it all uh, animal type Earthlings? Right. <laughs> Anything anthropomorphized. I mean, I mean, so, like, how 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 bad can they possibly have it if, if, if the king of the world is a dog? That's what I'm wondering. I wonder if the world king is kind of like the DB equivalent of Obama. He's <laughs> 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 like the first minority leader uh, right. to get major power. <laughs> all right, let's leave that behind. We're actually going to. Move Move on. Oh, I got a likelihood of this mayor showing up in Raging Blast 3. Lance, I'll start with you. 10. He's, he's definitely going to be there. He's going to get his own special. It's going to be like the Dragon Ball version of C-SPAN. 
All right. And Jake? I'm going to have to agree. I think he'll be the new uh, Broly. (laughs) So he's going to be the opening to the game as well. Yeah. And here goes Super Saiyan 3, too. Perfect. Fight Gogeta. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We are, amazingly enough, going to stick with American-made games for at least one more here. And I was joking on Twitter earlier. I took one for the team. I popped Sagas back into the PS2. Luckily, I had made it past this point, and I was fairly certain that you can select to go to any prior stage that you had already played. I was right. There is a very, very brief level in the game after Goku fights Frieza and before he comes back to Earth, before you... Actually, the next chapter is you play Trunks in his previous timeline, basically the TV special. There is a very short one fight little scenario where Goku is training on planet Yardrat where he learned the Shunkanido, the instantaneous movement. It's not particularly clear if you're fighting against him or he's training you because it just kind of introduces the fact that Goku's on this planet and then it's over and into trunks. There is a being from planet Yardrat named Soba, which is, uh, we'll get to that name in a second. He has a battle power of 14 million and he seems to, uh, as you get going in the fight, spawn these other little beings that will pop out of the ground and attack you at some point. But I mean, Sagas is so awful. If, if you're fighting against him and you get too far in the background, the screen zooms out so far that you can almost no longer see anything at all. But uh, I get a picture of Soba up here on the screen. I mean, these American game creators took a race that had a design, made a character that looked almost nothing like that design, and made you fight against him. Do either of you have any thoughts on Soba? I actually yeah, I disagree. I- I, I think he looks like they're de- the Yardratians are depicted in the anime. Really? I don't think... Maybe it's because he's not wearing a shirt. Head a he's, bit. Yeah, the head, but he, you know, the anime are pink and he's green, but other than that, I don't know. I think they just wanted him to look different than the usual one, but I think they referenced the ones in the filler. Maybe I so. Know. I can see a little bit in the head. He looks like a cross between the ones in the anime and Garlic Jr. Yes, he kind of does. Yeah. I have to say, though, that, that if, if I had just seen this screenshot uh, just lying around without any context, I would never have guessed this was from a Dragon Ball game, though. No, no, it looks nothing like it. The background doesn't look like any... I mean, it's like everything in Saga. It's completely bland and almost unintelligible if it zooms out far enough. But uh, I want to talk about the name because we've heard the name Soba before. There there was the character who's Pilaf's underling, the the dog fox character, ultimately ended up being named Shu because as they were working on the TV version and named him, Toriyama forgot that he had already named him Soba in the manga. I think it was just one instance, right, Jake? Just in my yes, says his name? Once, maybe twice. Right. Tops. So he got renamed, so I guess that freed up the name. Jake, what is the pun with Yardrat, if there is one, and does this tie in with it? I have no idea. I, I've never seen any explanation for it anywhere. No, I haven't either, so I was kind of hoping that you would. <laughs> mm, sorry. <laughs> so Soba, I mean, it's basically noodles. I, I don't know, maybe because he's got noodles coming off his face? Why would they name him <laughs> something like this? Maybe they just knew that, you know, DB characters, they're named after food, and it's from Japan. 
Japan. And so, you know, soba is a reasonably well-known Japanese food. I don't know. Like everything in sagas, it's just a superficial thing. Well, I'm kind of pleased that they'd actually do that amount of research to come up with a name that actually was used in the franchise, as opposed to, you know, it, with Funimation, where if they give a character original name, it'd be something like Jiminy Firecracker, <laughs> <laughs> which I, that's which is not made up. Right, right. That's that's what they call the Cell Games announcer for whatever reason. Or uh, what is it? Girl Oolong tries to abduct who's like Pokawana Tis. Pokawatha? Pokawatha. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do we have any other thoughts on the Soba character? He's, he's there for a fight and that's it. The narrator doesn't even describe a single thing about him. Stronger like, than Frieza, apparently. Going by the like game standards. I want to think that, that, that he is the actual Soba slash shoe after he <laughs> split, away from, split away from Pilaf, got into space, uh, transformed into hulking noodle-faced guy and got stronger than Frieza. I'd, I'd, I'd buy it. He must have gone into space and met up with Ozolto who teached him how to transform. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Alright, Jake, I ask you, chance of Soba showing up in Raging Blast 3? Uh, probably about as good as the actual Soba turning up. Alright, Lance, what do you think? Oh, is, is, is Soba not, not been in a game yet? Or Shu, has Shu not been in a game yet? No, well, part of Pilaf Robot. Yeah, that's oh. the close, in uh, Advanced Adventure. Yeah, I'll give him up. Okay. Out of what? (laughs) (laughs) Four out of 14 million. That's his battle power. All right. That seems about accurate. All right. We're going to move on. Uh, We're going to stick with the PS2 for a little bit, though. This is from Dragon Ball Z2, or as we got it in North America, Budokai 2. Lance, I'm going to spit this one over to you because you said you're a big fan. Yeah. um, I I, I do own Budokai 2, but I never actually got, I never actually unlocked this, this fusion. But yeah, this is... Uh, I guess probably one of the most famous or popular or infamous fusions, uh, Yamhan, the combination of Yamcha and Ten Shinhan. And I can't believe I never even noticed this before, but just looking at the picture right now, I, I never even noticed that in, in the fused state, Ten Shinhan's third eye is just upside down for <laughs> random random reason. I never noticed that before. You gotta do something different, otherwise it's just his face. Yeah, true. Could I it, guess they do have pretty similar faces. <laughs> could it be that they were trying to base the third eye on Yamcha's eye? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, yeah. And then he has, uh, I guess, <laughs> as uh, it's the strange receding hairline thing going on to sort of fuse <laughs> Yamcha's hair with uh, Tenshinan's lack of hair. And but I mean, I, I, honestly, I, I, I've always, I've always wished. Is there a Yamhan that has like the like uh, long-haired Yamcha style going on, or is it always just this? No, arc? no. The the palette swap is just a a green vest instead. That's it. Because oh. I would love to see like uh, the 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 long-haired Yamhan, but like with the like the very beginning of Dragon Ball where like, Yamcha has a sort of like a uh, faux sideburns coming down. Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm with you. Of course, then, I, of course, then I, I guess you couldn't have the scars on the face, and that's that's sort of right, stupid. right, distinguishing feature, right Otherwise, there. Otherwise, it'd just be Ten Shinhan's face with Yamcha's hair tacked on, <laughs> which it basically is. Oh, let's be yeah. honest, <laughs> and, and an upside down eye. It would just look like Ten Shinhan forgot to shave the rest of his hair off. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> kind of already does look like. This. Yeah, it really does. It does. So what do you guys think about this? I mean, Budokai 2 was, was that the last time we had one? Maybe, well, we're going to talk about one more, but this original 
whole fusion character that was actually in the game. It was developed further than just a theoretical drawing. What'd you think about this? I always thought it was really awesome. Just, uh, well, first of all, fusion being such a wacky concept to begin with, and then uh, just putting the spotlight on on these characters that by the time fusion had come along, they were just, you know, either in the background or, you know, almost disappeared completely. And if, if they had done some kind of story in the manga about having just about, you know, 15 or so fused characters, fighting against Boo, I, I would have been happy about that. It would you know, be about as wacky as anything else that happened in that arc. Yeah, sure. I kind of wonder how seriously he was intended. You know, just looking at his design and the hair, like, <laughs> did, was this a joke to have his hair like that, or do they think it looked cool? <laughs> I wonder, because, I mean, these two get paired up as, like, a buddy cop film, it seems, in a lot of recent games. Uh, the way that Boo absorbs them in the Budokai series as well. I mean, was this the one where Yamcha's looking over, tension on shoulder, and he's like tapping them like look behind us don't know is that this one i think so it just seems like they're thrown together for hey you two go be funny for whatever reason and uh this is what they ended up with i wonder if this fusion had happened uh like at the, at the time the characters first met like you know 22nd tank aichi budokai if, if, if he would have broken his own leg <laughs> you know what i hate myself crack <laughs> <laughs> i was looking at myself a little too funny we haven't seen him resurface which i think is pretty shocking I mean, didn't show up in Budokai 3. We haven't had these kinds of characters show up since this game. It's kind of an anomaly in uh, the last generation of games. Lance, what do you think? What is the chance of Yamahan showing up again in Raging Blast 3? Will they dig back to what-if fusions? Well, that that depends. Are we, are we talking about simply as a playable character or like getting his own sort of animated special being featured like, you know, like, like Hachiyaku kind of thing? We'll, we'll say just a playable character character not necessarily a feature although a gag manga would be acceptable i would love a gag manga based on that character um but you know just as a playable character i mean um i mean they're they're always trying to throw in as you know as, as many different characters as possible so i, I don't see it as being that unlikely i, I i'd rank it pretty high fingers crossed but i mean yeah you know, as, as you said it has been a while since he's shown up but well it hasn't been 17 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah i want to wait 17 years before you get your own get your own half hour special um but you know just in the game I'd, I'd say yeah, there's a fair chance he'd be there. Sure, why not? Assign a random number. What is a fair chance? Okay, um, uh, seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. All right, Jake. What do you think? Yamaha showing up from Raging Blast Three. Probably, the odds are probably about half as good as I'd actually like them to be. <laughs> true. <laughs> okay. True. Well, what would you like them to be? And then we can divide that in half. <laughs> uh, nine out of ten. All right. So we're looking at what four and a half chance out of ten. I suppose. We have one last character that we want to focus on. You would think that we were done with the What If Fusions, but I had totally forgotten about this. It's not really a playable character, but it sort of is. It's two characters that do fuse into a new character for an attack. And Jake, the Jump Stars games, Jump Superstars, Jump Ultimate Stars, we did not get them in North America. You had to import these. How much did you play of them? I got everything unlocked in both games oh, okay so you're right up there with me i mean i played the hell out of them they're just amazing games in the first game jump superstars we have a what if fusion who are the two characters and why on earth would they be thrown together well the first one is piccolo and the second is dr mashirito from dr slump and if you're not familiar with Dr. Slump, Mashirito is essentially Senbei's nemesis, uh, Senbei being the titular Dr. Slump, the guy who makes Arale, the robot. And so uh, Mashirito is basically like Senbei, only with all the good qualities taken out. 
So he's a, a big evil idiot who thinks he's the smartest guy in the world. And he's always building robots and things to try and take over the world. And he has these series of robots called Carmel Man. Um, they're all Carmel Man with a number, right? So it's kind of this interesting predecessor to Garo and his androids. But the thing about Mashirito is that he's based on Toriyama's first editor, Kazuhiko Torishima. And so you see the joke. Torishima Mashirito. And right. so the, just the syllables are reversed. And so he's based off him visually. And this was a big, um, interesting joke of Toriyama getting back at his editor for always rejecting his ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a recurring theme with Toriyama and either current or prior editors and friends. Exactly. And so the other thing is that um, the rumors were at Jump was that uh, Piccolo Daimao was also based on Torishima. And so you see, Toriyama had three editors over the course of Dragon Ball. And so first was Torishima, and then the second was Yu Kondo, and then the third was Takeda, um, Huyuto Takeda. And so uh, Torishima was for the editor from the beginning to the end of the 23rd Tenkaichi Budokai. And then Kondo was from the start of the Saiyan arc. So, you know, the start of the Z portion all the way up to when Cell reached his perfect form. And then Takeda was from, you know, after Cell reached his perfect form to the end. And so the rumor was that around jump, I guess, and among fans, that Toriyama would base uh, villains in the series off his editors. And so uh, Daimao was supposed to be based off Torishima, and Frieza was supposed to be based off of Kondo, although Kondo apparently thought he, Trunks was based off of him. And then uh, Takeda was apparently the inspiration for Fat Boo. Oh, wow. All right. There's this wonderful, you know how in the issues of Jump, there's always these, the authors give these like one sentence little weekly comments. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so uh, some of these are recorded in Daisenshu 7. And one of them is Toriyama's first reaction to seeing his new editor. And he mentions how fat he is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we have Majin Boo. And anyway, so... The thing is, is that Toriyama himself said he didn't consciously do that. Although maybe he's just trying to deny it to save his ass. But right, right. anyway, he said he might have unconsciously just based the characters off of it. But the funny thing is that he Toriyama has gone on record on saying that he designed Piccolo Daimao to be the worst guy in the world. You know, like all the villains up to then had some good qualities. So he wanted to make a guy with no good qualities. And so it's kind of amusing that that character would at least be similar enough to Toriyama's actual editor to for people to say, oh, they must be based off each other. This terrible guy, you know, the worst guy you could think of, obviously must be based off Torishima. So now we pull him back to jump superstars and we have Piccolo and Dr. Mashirito. Now, if you create a, the way the game works is create all these different squares and you, you make a deck of players with um, the different types. You have uh, helpers, you have, do you remember what the different types are? Okay, one pan, you know, it's this grid of squares. I think it's 20 squares called Koma. Yeah, yeah. And so, which is the Japanese word for like a manga panel. And so one is uh, support. And so you attach right, these support. to okay. playable characters to give some bonus, like increased health points or something. And then two to uh, three, two or three is, um, okay, first, okay, first is help, second is support. And these are characters, you click on them and they come out and do an attack and go away. Right, right. And then uh, from four on up to seven, I think is the top are all playable characters and so the more um space they take up the stronger the character is and so you know some of the the one coma things some of them are characters and but some of them are just these uh words or things like that and so uh motto of jump is uh friendship effort victory and so if you take the three uh kanji 
those three kanji, put them together, and then connect the, you know, coma for two playable characters together. This will enable you to do a special combo attack. And so these are things like you can have uh, Luffy from One Piece team up with uh, Kenshiro from uh, Fist of the North Star to do this. You know, they both have this attack where it's just they're them punching all over the place. And so they combine to just, you know, this huge wall of fists, like thousands of fists to just beat the crap at your opponent. And so all these kind of dream comp team ups like that. And so if you do that with Piccolo and Mashirito, then they perform fusion and fuse into he has no name. So I don't know what you call mock Picorito, I suppose. And so I like it's, that. it's essentially Piccolo with an afro wearing a lab coat. It's the most yes. terrifying thing you can imagine. And <laughs> it is. And he has one attack. He... Yeah, well, I think he has a tack, uh, insult attacks. I think he shouts words that explode. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I, it's been a while, but I think it's Botsu rejected, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. that's his trait. That was Torishima's trademark for when he rejects ideas. That makes sense then. All right. So just to clarify, is is, is the Piccolo in this game, is, is that, is that Daimo or is that Mon no, Jr.? It's, it's no, it's, yeah, it's Mon it's Jr. Young. I guess yep. they just did it because it was the closest thing available. It's also somewhat notable that in the first game, Mashirito is the only playable enemy, the only bad guy featured. Everyone else, it's only heroes from the series. Or, uh, oh, vil- wow, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Or, you know, the closest thing you get is villains who become heroes like Piccolo or Vegeta. Vegeta, yeah. So, so yeah. Daimao is not in there. But in the second game, they did add a very small amount of villains, and Frieza was one of them. Frieza and Boo. Yeah, yeah. They're actually pretty fun to play as. Wow, so we're naming him Picorito, but he doesn't have an actual name. He's just this tag team attack between Piccolo and Mashirito. Fantastic little fusion and uh, attack. Jake, I have to ask you, chances we will see him in Raging Blast 3. We have not had a Raleigh show up in Raging Blast series yet. We did have some Dr. Slump in uh, Sparking Meteor, and we have seen a Raleigh in games placed around that appropriate time of the series. But Raging Blast 3, what are the chances? I think pretty good because I'm going to personally make all the human sacrifices necessary to ensure that the gods make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lance, I I guess that leaves you with 100% certainty. Well, um... I I would certainly love for this character to 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 be in you know I guess in an actual Dragon Ball game and I would have said that it would be pretty small except for the fact that that Raleigh has uh been in been in Dragon Ball games so I, I guess that does sort of open open the gates for other Doctor Slump characters but Mashirito he he wasn't in the crossover the Dragon Ball Doctor Slump crossover chapters at all was he No because he had actually he died by then <laughs> okay. he, he was he was reduced to just a screw and a nut or something oh that's 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 why i didn't know about this character until earlier today (laughs) (laughs) um based on the on the fact that that he's that he's not actually in crossover part i have to say it sort of lowers his chances a little bit so even though i even though i'd like to see him i'd say it's probably two or three and unless unless those human sacrifices turn the table in favor of it any volunteers (laughs) step right up (laughs) jake is ready to make this character happen picorito must happen you know there are so many characters and we may have to do a follow-up but we've was not expecting to talk so long about these characters. There's just so many good 
discussions to have. So we'll have to come back and kind of do a more general run through of all the ones we missed. But we did have one set of runner ups that we had to mention, but they weren't technically original to video games. What's the back history on these two? Okay, so in the manga, it's mentioned that Oolong and Puar both attended the Southern Shapeshifting Kindergarten. And so Puar graduated with honors or something, but Oolong was kicked out for stealing his teacher's panties. Right. You can see clearly it hasn't really changed much over the years. Anyway, so the that teacher whose panties he stole was featured in the game Di- uh, The Revival of Daimao, where you actually go to, you can go to the Southern Transformation Kindergarten as an area, and so you meet the teachers there. And so one is called uh, Pon Danuki, which is a pun on, you know, Tanuki are the animals in right. Japanese folk. They're real animals, but in folklore, they're said to be able to shapeshift. And they have enormous testicles. Exactly, which helps with that, I'm sure. <laughs> so, and uh, pon is the sound effect for when they transform. Right. So you get a pon danu, and the T becomes a D. So pon danuki, he's a uh, he's male, and he looks like a he doesn't look like a tanuki. He looks like a panda in the game for some reason, <laughs> but. Maybe he's just shapeshifted, but the other one is Pon Kitsune, which is from Kitsune Fox, which is another animal that's supposed to be able to shapeshift in Japanese folklore. Right. And so she's a female teacher, and so it she's supposed to be the one whose panties Oolong stole. And so, I, again, I haven't played the game. I don't really know exactly how they figure in the story, but you can at least talk to them. And then the other interesting thing is that these characters also are featured in the Boken Special, which was this magazine that came out. It's a special issue of Jump, and it's essentially the first uh, guide type thing for Dragon Ball that was ever released. It came out midway through the Piccolo Daimo arcs run in the manga. And so uh, one of the th- features in the special is this little story on Oolong and Poor's school days at the shapeshifting kindergarten. It tells the story of among other things, how Oolong got kicked out after t- stealing uh, Pon Gitsune's panties. And it has this picture of, you know, the whole class um, standing around and they're all wearing these, you know, traditional Japanese kindergarten uniforms, all the students. And Oolong is lifting up Pon Gitsune's skirt. I love that and, picture so much. It is so hilarious. And there's in the background, there's like a monsters from Dragon Quest. You can oh, see. Oh, nice. I think I'd assume they're monsters that can shapeshift in the game, but I don't know. So that's a kind of link. So it's kind of an example of the video games expanding upon on things that are mentioned but right. not really gone into in this series sort of like Soba you know expanding on Goku's training on Yardrat right right very nice so those are runner ups on uh, I guess basically just a technicality otherwise uh, they might have made the list there there are I mentioned it there's so many other characters a lot of them are just palette swaps or clones of other characters and uh, we could probably spend another hour or so going through them but I think I'm going to have to make the executive decision and save that for a follow up episode where we kind of go through them, who they are, what their puns are. It's just far too many to go over right now. So we're going to wrap it up for now. Jake, thank you for coming back and talking about all these uh, long forgotten characters with us. Sure, no problem. And uh, Lance, thank you for uh, finally making it on the podcast. Well, thank you so much, you guys, for having me. It was great talking with you. Hopefully I can come back on sometime soon. Absolutely. I mean, the whole goal of the podcast, I joke about it, but it's it's true in the same way and kind of a sad way is I just love talking about this stuff and the fact that other people out there enjoy talking about it enough to want to talk about it with me. And more than that, that there are so many other people out there that love listening to these conversations and learning so much about the series. It's one of the reasons that after all these years, I mean, I've been running my website for going on 13 years. I still enjoy, I still learn new things with all 
of you. This is the kind of stuff that puts a smile on my face. So I'm I'm so glad to have you guys with me uh, talking about it and listening to the discussion as well. Did we ever rate Ozoto? No, uh, we didn't. Do you uh, want to rate him? Four. Four uh, out of? Of uh, 5,832 million. Okay. Um, seven cookies out of a bakery. I like it. I like it. I'm just going to say that he's confirmed. And then when we get to next year and he's in the game, I look incredibly intelligent and on the ball. Or, you know. And, and then if not, you go back and re-edit the podcast episode and take out all mention of it. And uh, Absolutely. <laughs> never happened. You never heard this conversation at all whatsoever. Very Orwellian of you. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for talking with me appreciate it we are now jumping into the second topic of our episode i told you it's going to be a doozy of a show folks we are talking about the current hotness raging blast 2 has been out for a little bit now on the ps3 and 360 to talk about the game with me because i got to pull in new blood to talk about video games i cannot count on mary to do it i cannot count on julian to do it so I need other people. Dustin, welcome to the show, man. Hi, I'm Dustin. I go by, uh, on the forums, I go by in, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> you that. You don't know how to pronounce your own name? No, no, it's Inagata DeVita. That's, uh, that's well, my I, name. I was talking about it earlier in the show because Mary said she loves that name so much. She knows where it comes from. But for people who don't know, <laughs> what is the, uh, play with your, uh, your username there? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's actually a song. I don't think it's the title, but I know for sure it's in the lyrics. Is by an old old school metal band called Iron Butterfly, and uh, the the phrase is "In the Garden of Eden." But he was so smashed when he recorded it that it just sounds like "In the Garden of Eden." It's awesome. I love it. It's those kind of usernames that I think are the most clever, the most interesting. Oh yeah, it's clever. Way better than uh, Demon Princess nineteen ninety one, who just beat me on Raging Blast two online. <laughs> I always love seeing the names of people who play me. So tell me a little bit about what it is that you do online as well. I mean, you post on our forum, sure, but you've done some other projects relating to Dragon Ball. Right, I have. Um, I was. I've been referred to by the experts, I believe, as a non-apologist, sparking meteor enthusiast. <laughs> that, I believe that's great because that's what I want right now to counterbalance. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what it is is um, I got Sparking Meteor or Budokai Tenkaichi 3, as it were, and that was basically my first Dragon Ball game. And I was completely blown away by this game. It was everything that I had ever hoped for or thought I would hope for, and I loved it a lot. But I wasn't really all that happy with it, so I decided to make a series of videos where I'd talk about all the things I want out of it, and it gained some traction, and people really liked seeing it. I put some effort into editing it and all that, and it was a fun project while it lasted, but for the most part, I'm kind of done with that, and... Basically, I'm just uh, on the forums now. That's all I do. That's fine. You know, that's that's what we want. We want creative people who get burnt out and then get totally jaded and come talk about stuff on the podcast with me. Oh, yeah. I'm totally jaded. Let's go. <laughs> uh, before we jump into the new game, tell me a little bit about your experience with Raging Blast. I mean, if you've been listening to the show, you heard me talk about it. You've probably read my review. You know my take on it. How about you? Did you check it out? I mean, after being such a big fan of the previous game. Oh, yes. Well... I mean, like I talked about, I basically put everything out there, everything that I wanted, everything I didn't want, everything that was possible with the next installment. And of course, I was just completely disappointed when Raging Blast came out. What were some of those big disappointments that killed you? Specifically, the uh, what I really wanted, and I know this is silly, and a lot of people don't really uh, dig it, but I really wanted a character creator. I didn't care so much about the roster, as long as we have a really great Toriyama character creator, like uh, Dragon Quest IX. Right, right. And yeah, I really thought that that was a total like 
yeah, that's definitely going to be in. I mean, that was obviously the next step up. After you have so many characters, you can't you can't come up with all the characters, you know? And it's up to the fans at that point. And that was one of the big things, yeah. We've seen Dragon Ball Online go into this territory. I mean, it's an MMO. You have to create a character. But was it um, Ryo Mito, who, the producer of the games, I think I remember seeing something about, oh, the Japanese don't really care that much about creating their characters. They want to play as the, the real characters from the actual show. Yeah, and what's funny about that is that article was about how they have to keep keep all the regions in mind when making the games. And his answer to that was, well, Japan doesn't want it. Right, right. It's funny stuff. I think they were also saying in there that GT is, uh, they don't really care, so maybe yeah, they'll well, do it. I think he's under the mistaken impression that other people do. So <laughs> Right, right. That's true. All right, so let's jump ahead. Raging Blast 2 is out. Let me get the basic info out of the way. It's developed by Spike, who did all of the previous Sparking games, and they just did Tag versus Tenkaichi Tag Team on the PSP. Uh, Namco Bandai is, of course, the company putting it out. It's a fighting game. It's going to over-the-shoulder perspective and some free roam control. You can fly all over the stages. It's a sequel, last year's Raging Blast. We're in a yearly cycle at this point. I mean, every November we get a game coming out. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Raging Blast itself was just the next step up from the Sparking series. We got it here in North America first. We got it on November 2nd. Japan just got it on November 11th. As far as I know, there aren't any differences uh, between the two games other than the text. Uh, It does include Plan to Eradicate the Super Science, which is a remade feature. You heard all about that last episode. We are saying pretty much nothing about it other than maybe the character from it. So you want to hear about that last episode. That's where you want to go. We're going to jump into the game itself, where I would like to start is the presentation of the game. And that's going to include the graphics and all that good stuff. But we're going to start out with how the game starts out. And you and I are going to bash heads a little bit here. The opening Mm -hmm. theme, Battle of Omega, performed by Hironobu Kageyama. I'm just going to put it out there. You're completely wrong about this, but you can (laughs) give me your opinion on it anyway. Um, I'm not a fan of Hironobu Kageyama. I like Chala Head Chala, and I like We Got a Power, basically because of what they are. They're the opening theme for Dragon Ball Z, and it was it was what I associate with it. But Hironobu Kageyama himself, not a big fan of him. I don't like his vocals. I kind of feel like he sounds like a goat. All right, so be it. No, we, we all have our own thoughts on his performance, and the CD single you heard about that earlier is going to come out uh, later this year, so we'll talk about that. How about the CG animation that goes along with it, though? Because the Sparking games were awkward as hell in some instances, and to be honest, I don't even remember the animation from the first Raging Blast. I felt like there was a big step up with the presentation in this opening, though. What are your thoughts on it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, let me get this out of the way first. I don't think the song is bad. I like the song, and uh, I like the instrumental version a lot. And I don't mind listening to Hironobu Kageyama. I actually watch that opening CG animation quite a bit when it comes up, because it's just so damn beautiful. It is cool. Yeah, I I, I really like it. I think they definitely stepped it up in that department for sure. I mean, I remember um, Sparking Meteors... Mostly because that's the one I played. I played Budokai Tenkaichi 2 a little bit, but I don't remember the opening for that. But the one for Meteor was just bad. It would, It's awkward and weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been the status quo for all of Spike's openings. Just weird facial animations. And not to mm-hmm. say that there aren't some weird faces in this one as well. But I feel like and they're doing the typical, all right, this good guy faces off against this bad guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, this one feels more, I don't know, coherent. And then you have Hachiak show up at the end and kind of blow everything away. And it does that almost shaky cam zoom in on him. Yeah. Well, they're really trying to play him up as the big 
batty for this for the game, I think. Yeah, exactly. But it's like those little attention to detail elements, little shaky zoom. I feel like that steps this opening up a little bit. And it also has kind of like it, it has this filter on it that kind of reminds me of like colored pencils or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it doesn't I don't feel like it looks all that much like the in-game graphics either where they no. were they were trying to do I don't know. But all in all, I think it's a pretty solid opening. It's a good intro to the game, so get you yeah. pretty pumped up there. All right, before we jump into the real meat of the audio and the graphics and stuff, I do want to talk about the menu system a little bit, because we've had some gorgeous menus in the past. I feel like this one's pretty bare bones, but it's quick and effective, so I don't know that I even really have anything to talk about with it. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's uh, I think quick and effective is a good way to say it, because, uh, I don't know, I never had any problems with it. I, I remember on some of the the sparking games they had the uh character animations and uh and they were talking explaining what each thing was yeah and that's yeah. cool novelty at first but it definitely wears a little thin after you've heard it over and over and over it does i know meteor in particular when i go into the versus mode vegeta has and he's talking to napa a little bit and i just keep cutting him off and it always just ends up going sigh and then i cut him <laughs> off like mid-sentence every time so. yeah exactly and it, it also makes it a little slow too because it has to load those audio files every time right right so so the uh definitely the bare bones i think is better but i i think maybe they had a little room for improvement i think burst limit had a fantastic menu it really did it did different developer yeah. different styles i mean it's nitpicky stuff but since we've had so much gorgeous animation in menus before i felt it was at least worth a little mention there yeah i think it's interesting though they, they are different developers but they use the same sound effects for the menu did you notice that yeah i have they've everything's been very consistent over the years i don't know if namka bandai just has this database of stuff and says here have at it i don't know how that's working but i don't know i like it i think this this sounds except for when you're choosing a character hearing that little uh fading that sound that they do when they teleport behind the character yes you know? yes like you hear that every time you move over to another character that's a little annoying it, it is it gets a little grating when you're trying to figure out who it is you want to use yeah luckily if you do it fast enough it won't do it so right, I'm right. Like, you just cycle through and no one even shows up I like yeah all right so we're already talking about the sound uh Raging Blast 2, per the norm, we've got the English cast and the Japanese cast on this home release. Both of them reflect the appropriate Kai changes. So all of Ginyu Tokusentai, all the new voices on the Japanese side and the American side. Uh, over on the Japanese side, who else do we have update? QE, uh, Zarbon, Dodoria. Something that I know I was talking about, I think maybe two episodes ago. Even though Sho Hayami isn't doing Zarbon anymore, he came back to do Sousa. So that was kind of nice that they're keeping some movie consistency there. Over on the Funimation side, it sounds like they're relatively consistent as well, keeping up with some of the Kai changes as well. I know Colleen Clinkenbeard is doing Gohan through all of his forms. We've got... And thank God for that. Yeah, we've got Ares <laughs> as Frieza. I, I gotta be honest. I mean, I switch it over to English, go over to the museum mode, listen to him do Frieza's lines, and switch it back over to Japanese. I had to go in there and check out you his had to performance check it out. there. Yeah, I, I know this is a little off topic, but I mean, I know people have been wanting to know, have you checked out uh, Chris Ayers on Dragon Ball Z Kai yet? Uh, I have. The yeah. <laughs> I've been avoiding giving my perspective oh, okay. on it right. because I love when people ask me and I just don't respond. But I'll come out and say I, I think it's pretty fucking spectacular. I feel they they know who Frieza is now, and even though it's a different voice and at times a different tone of voice, and even at times that tone reminds me of the prior voice. The delivery, the I mean, the script is a huge part of it. Let's be honest. Yeah, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's Frieza. 
So yeah, it is. It is. It's Frieza. It's it's very it's it's very interesting to see it. I'm following it every day. Every time it comes out on Nicktoons, I just I love it. The new dub. I was talking about this a little bit with the PSP game, but it's the first time I was able to play a game in English. I I was forced to in the PSP game. That's all there was. Yeah, and not cringing throughout the Frieza. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. But um, it's interesting. You're talking about uh, the Japanese actor for um, Zarbon and uh, Salza or Salzer. I don't know what to call him. Well, but well, the thing, yeah, that kind of irks me a little bit. I feel like Funimation didn't know what the pun was. They thought it was salsa, so they put the L in there. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but interestingly enough, on the English side, he's also by the same actor, Chris Sabat, of course, because that's right. 99% of the voice cast right there. <laughs> but um. What's interesting is Zarbon was also replaced in the English version of Zikai, and his actor came in and did Zarbon for the game. Chris Sabat went back and did Salsa too, and uh, he even has the French accent and everything. It's great. Interesting. It's nice to see that they're kind of keeping with it, and even though I talked about this with the PSP game as well, it feels at times like a Nicktoons edit of it where we're back to the old attack names. They're not keeping those in the video games. They say darn a lot too. Right, right. I've noticed some things in the subtitles where I think... I don't know if they're quite translating what's going on, but all in all, I feel like the the audio side is pretty solid. I mean, mm-hmm. is there much else to say about it on that end? Oh, no. I completely agree. Very solid. <laughs> How about the music? I have I was talking earlier or later. I don't remember because I've recorded this episode out of order in three segments. I replaced the music pretty recently in the game. I've been playing a lot of vocal songs, a lot of uh, Super Famicom and PS1 mm. music. I'm not totally digging the music in this game. Other than the galaxy mode music, the main screen music, I think that's awesome. Something about this game soundtrack just isn't doing it for me, so I've been swapping that out. Do you have any thoughts on the soundtrack here? Yeah, I mean, I actually really like it. I uh, There's some really, like, punk rock sounding tracks. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, there's some distorted guitars going on. Yeah, and some, you know, the traditional Z game ska soundtrack it's all i i really like it i never really have a problem with the soundtracks in these games even the replace scores that a lot of people refer to as generic i i I always really dig it but again it's probably because i'm having fun playing the game while i hear it so i'm trading all these things together but i i don't hate it i didn't really think that it was necessary to replace it for me so you know no I, i wouldn't say i wouldn't say it's bad by any means but this has been the first time that i felt like oh maybe i should toy around with replacing it to see what that experience is like. I've never actually done that before. So I don't know if that says anything about this game or just my playing these games for as long as I have and finally hitting that point. But Oh, no, no. I've done it before. I did it on Burst Limit. I like the music on Burst Limit, but I did it just because I had the Xbox uh, arcade that you could do it back then. Right. And I played the the, uh, Japanese track, the Japanese uh, music, and it was very good. All right, let's talk about the big stuff in this game, the graphics. Going back to the first scan page out of V-Jump, they were showcasing this graphic overhaul. And it's, I almost want to describe it as kind of what they did with Budokai 1, where it's not mm-hmm. really cell shaded. It's much more a traditional 3D model. But now because we have so many polys on screen, it doesn't feel as chunky anymore but it's yeah. a very drastic i don't want to say step up but it's a sidestep from what we had yeah, in the first raging blast i don't love it the way i could describe it is actually if they decided to go back to what they had in raging blast one for whatever the sequel could be they could say it's a step up again <laughs> and promote it that way well the the cell shaded was a step up from that budokai uh engine and i think right. even the gamecube version was the first one to use that new style like yeah. they had the playstation one version and then when they ported it to gamecube they applied this new style and they's like oh look at this new hotness you know right 
personally with the models in the uh, the whole new art direction, I basically feel the same way. Although I feel like some characters look gorgeous, while others not so much. Yeah, I don't know what it is about it. I, I've noticed a lot of lines on the outlines tend to fade in and out depending on who the character is. And I, I gotta say, I mean, there's this shininess that Spike is always taking heat for. Maybe for me a lot, but I'll, I'll own up to that. I, I give him a lot of shit for the mm. character models, but particularly in Super Saiyan modes, I feel like they're just blinding me. I think it was Super Vegeta in particular. His hair was kind of, it's glowing, but it's more of this pulsating thing there. The, all, like, all the characters, all the Super Saiyan characters, um, the models of it actually, like, I don't know how, like, all of the colors, every single bit of the model pulses. It's like, it goes into lighter and then darker. Yes, you that? yes. Yeah, and I feel like it's blinding me a little too much. I get what they're doing. I just think it's a little too much. Yeah, it's, it's a little unsettling. I mean, I, I notice it every time I see it. I don't know if I'd hate it, but it's there. Right, right. And I guess because they're glowing with their hair, I mean, yeah, they're they're incorporating the light and the aura. And some of the other more colorful characters, like all of Ginyu, they don't have that going on because they don't... Mm-hmm have that inherent glow to them so it is a character by character thing but across the board i feel like everyone's got this gloss like the psp game where everyone had a fuzz and this one everyone's got a gloss over top of them i remember seeing a comparison between the playstation 3 version and the rate and the uh Xbox 360 version? Yeah, I did see and that. The PlayStation version was a lot clearer, or maybe not a lot. I don't know if that's the right word. It was, it was, I don't know. How, how would you describe it? I don't know. There's something going on with the anti aliasing with some of the edges, and I don't entirely know how to describe it myself, but I feel like a lot of that has to do with it is Japan. They develop the main ski yeah. first, and then they do a port of it, and whatever that port is, so be it. And it's Japan, and it's an anime game, so they'll put their effort into the PS3 version and then kind of tap <laughs> out the 360 port, how it goes. I don't think it's a significant significant difference and you're only going to tell like we do with our dragon box comparisons where yeah you, know, you freeze frame them you put them side by side and hover back and <laughs> forth that's the only time we're going to notice that kind of stuff for all intents and purposes they look pretty much identical but with the the character models themselves i think um the cyan armor looks great yeah, um, yeah it I'm looks exactly how it should frieza um kula Cool, Metacool looks amazing. But I think uh, some I just unlocked him, so I haven't actually played with him yet. Oh, you should check it out. It's a real treat. But uh, some of the ones with with uh, cloth clothing, like the the geese, like Goku and Gohan, and all of them. I don't. It looks like plastic. It looks. That's something I've always described Spike's models as very lifeless. And when you'll really notice it is after you win a fight and they're doing their ending quote, they'll do a thing where, like Ginyu in particular, he's got his hands out in those different directions. Everything about his body is still, except for one little element of his body that kind of hovers up and down. And his mouth is just just flapping with no rhyme or reason. <laughs> that's uh, that's everybody. That's how they yeah. talk in this game. Da, da, da. That's, look, they're not even speaking. I don't understand. <laughs> like I feel like even uh, Sparking Meteor did a better job of of the I mouth agree flaps. With you. Just, they need to do something. Maybe it's turn their head. Some characters do a little more. I know Little Gohan has this kind of like he does a yes with his fist or whatever. Mm-hmm. A couple other characters have a little bit of movement, but overall, they just kind of stand in their animation and talk. Yeah, and it's just looped. Like, everything they do is looped. Even the uh, the transformations in particular. And I understand that there's a lot to load. Like, they have to load yeah, that yeah. other model while they're doing the transformations. And they kind of held a little bit. I think in the last game, they just stood there with that lifeless... Yes. Yes. But in this one, they kind of move their head a little. But still, it just looks so lifeless. Just 
just not good. I mean, even Frieza's um, transformation, which I got to give him props for doing the full animation just like it was in the anime. Oh, yeah. They do that with Cell and Frieza, where you know, Cell sees 17 and 18 and his tail engulfs them. Frieza, oh, yeah. he's got his spikes coming out of his body. And obviously, they're masking load times is what they're doing, mm-hmm. but they're doing it in a clever way that at least keeps you interested for those it's, couple it's seconds. It's not fully animated, though. I feel like it's uh, like a tween situation like yes, they go from one model yeah. to another i know on freeze in particular they'll zoom in on just those spikes coming out rather than showing mm-hmm. you the whole body so it's kind of hiding this little wiggle thing yeah yep, yep it's it's cool i like it i just wish it was a little more smooth so overall i mean i don't know how much there is to say about the rest of the character movements i mean it's 60 frames a second all of the attacks look pretty much like they should. It's just like you're playing with a ragdoll Goku instead of the real yeah. Goku. Well, it is what it is. I mean, I don't hate it. I don't particularly like it, but it's there. It's it's fine. It's serviceable. Th- that's pretty much how I am with this game. I feel like we're on the next generation. This just means the current gen now, but jump up from what we had before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they put the effort into doing the 60 frames a second. Everyone's real high res, but what I wanted from this generation and this is across the board with video games except for some of the highest tier developers you look at something like uncharted too and i mean it's an unfair comparison yeah Mm -hmm. to do this to something like uncharted Mm -hmm. but what i expected of this generation was more lifelike character movements and you can do something like that with an anime game where you don't have to worry about the uncanny valley because they are so exaggerated Mm -hmm. and i've been disappointed in that respect but whatever they have a reason it's there and maybe they'll improve it can we go back for a second I know yeah, you were talking about 60 frames per second. Yeah. I, have you noticed any um, slowdowns? I haven't encountered too much. I do have some weird, like the camera will realign. It's it's not as bad as the first game, but the camera yeah. will kind of get stuck in this weird place and things will kind of jump a little bit, but I haven't had any slowdown yet. Yeah, I've had uh, quite a bit, actually. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, a lot of the more uh, bigger uh, ultimates, what will happen is they have this uh, dis- dis- dissipating um, dust settling, you know? Yeah, yeah. And when there's a lot of it, I th- it really slows down. You can it, like it's all the way back to like Super NES whenever <laughs> things would slow down. Yeah, yeah, too many sprites on screen. Yeah, I've noticed that happen. I think uh, I can't remember whose ultimate it was, but pretty much consistently, every time you used it, it would slow down afterwards. For me, at least. I'll be honest. I haven't used a whole lot of ultimate attacks in the game. I feel like maybe that's something we talk about with the gameplay. I just don't need to use them. Yeah. Well, there's actually a really cool video on YouTube that just goes through all the ultimates. If you're ever curious to see who's who's is who's, but you don't want to load up the game and see, right. it's, it's all there. And that's all, like you were saying, back to the Super Nintendo days. That's what people would do with all the Mortal Kombat fatalities, just make videos <laughs> of yeah. all the ending stuff. All right, so let's talk about the game. The uh, controls have taken uh, a jump, I suppose, from the Sparking series. The character control is now shifted from the D-pad to the left analog stick, which is very different if you're used to the old games, whereas the old games you would do that and the supers would be kind of like L button plus a triangle now the Mm. supers are assigned to the right analog stick almost like a Smash Brothers style where you you press it in one of the four directions and it does one of those four attacks and I never use that so (laughs) take that as you will (laughs) tell me about the controls in this game I'm getting used to it I go through a yearly learning cycle whenever I come back to (laughs) Dragon Ball game and figure out how the hell to play these again I feel like I, I got back into the groove pretty well it took about a day before i got used to all right i do this to do this and where are all the buttons what do they all do oh this is what charges me especially coming off the psp game where it was kind of old school style again do you feel like you could jump back into this all right this was a whole new learning
learning experience for me. I, I did have Raging Blast, but for about two weeks, and I think I played it twice. Um, <laughs> okay. I got it for a deal on Amazon for 25 I think, is what they had the sale for. And I was yeah. like, all right, I'll buy it. I wasn't terribly enthused about it, but when I got it, I was just like, I'm... Uh, this is too bad. Like the camera, everything about it. I just, I wasn't in, impressed. So I took it and traded in for, I think, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. So it wasn't a total waste. Right. But, good uh, there. yeah. And, uh, but so whenever I got Raging Blast 2, it was an entirely new learning experience for me. I had to relearn how to do everything. Very frustrating. I didn't like it. What was the most frustrating? Was it the switching over to the analog sticks or anything else in particular? They just, I don't understand why they changed the face buttons at all. And mm. I, this is going back to a problem with Raging Blast, but I guess you could kind of chalk it up to as a whole series itself at this point. But the block button, the dash oh, you're, button. Oh, you talking block versus signature skill and all yeah, that jazz. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't understand it at first. It took me a while. I had to go through several different training modes before I figured it out and... I don't know. I just, I really like the old style. I don't know why they needed to change it. I, I think it was a matter of we're going to a new system. We're going to mix stuff up. If all we do is give it a fresh paint job, then maybe that's not enough. At that point, though, it just seems it's just changed for the sake of change. Like, it's almost as if they felt that changing the controls would make everybody learn it again and kind of theoretically extend the life cycle of the game. Does that make any sense? No, I think it does. And, uh, I mean, I've gotten used to it now. I, I can button mash my way through any any fight, but I just, when I was playing Budokai Tenkaichi 3, I felt like I was in control. The control is an extension of my body, and I could get them to do anything I wanted. Not so much with this one. Absolutely. I We're going to talk about some of this stuff, but before we dig into a couple of those awkward things where you don't feel like you're in control, because you played Meteor so much, can you tell me what's new about controlling the characters in this game? What do they have that's available to them that they didn't have before? What did they lose, if anything? Well, the signature skills, I like that. I like that a lot. It can extend your rushes. Like, uh, for example, I think Piccolo reaches his handout, and yeah, if, yeah. if you do it at the right time, you can bring them back for more. It's like, no, you're not done, motherfucker. And, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of those are really cool. Krillin can throw a Destructo Disc by itself. My little brothers love to spam that. But, yeah, I, I like the signature skills. I feel like it does a great job of making each character have something a little more unique about them. Right. I mean, that's a huge complaint about these games. Yeah. On that, I'm, I don't know if this is on topic right now, but a lot of the uh, effects they've put in for certain characters like uh, Gerd has uh, time freeze. Like, he doesn't have it as one of his attacks. Instead of um, teleporting like everybody else, he freezes time and then moves behind you. And that's really right. cool. And yeah. I think uh, Janemba does this, does his little uh, fading away. Oh, I haven't unlocked him yet. I'm looking forward to getting him. Oh, he, he looks really good in this game. It's just like all, like little things like that. They I feel like overall they've made all the characters feel way more unique than they did in the previous iterations. Gotcha. And that's one of the differences, I suppose. Well, that was... Uh... A big complaint. I talk about this all the time with Spike Games, and I feel like I'm kicking this dead horse, but if every character always does the exact same thing when you press, you know, square, square, mm -hmm. square, square, triangle, what incentive do I have to learn additional characters? Yeah, you know one character, you know them all, basically. Yeah, exactly. I feel like they're finally stepping in that right direction where you've got your signature skills, and yeah, you've got all the superficial stuff like Bata is faster with his attacks and some of the other characters, but do you feel like now we're at around 90 characters in this next what will probably be a trilogy of games are we getting to a point where yeah i can use a sci-fi man and it is different from using janemba mm, yes and no i mean if you know how to button mash in the game and i know that sounds weird but that's basically been my experience if you if you learn how the basic movement is then you can do 
you can use any character and win a fight easily. But to really master a character, there are very interesting and unique uh, branching rushes, as it were, that you can use per for each character. And I know I've seen it online. I've gotten my ass handed to me several times. I think I've only won one fight online. But uh, I'm I'm really afraid to start playing online. Oh, don't even try. You'll you'll be <laughs> pulverized. But I can see that just from my own playing. I've noticed that some characters I'm able to hit. All right, I did the 25 hit combo with that character. I was not able to do that with another one because of this and because I was able to do this and this reach is different from this reach. So mm-hmm. I feel like they are starting to get there. If I'm noticing it and I'm one of the biggest people who gives them shit for this, that's a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing. And with 90 characters, I mean, it gives you a lot to experience in the game at the very least let's talk totally nitty-gritty here i had it on my outline before we started recording you said oh i got shit to say about that too what is the x button on the ps3 i guess that would be the a button on the 360 normally it's your rush your dash you press it you kind of home in on your opponent you fly into them when you're up close to them instead of walking into them or rushing into them it kind of does this flip backwards or jump backwards a little bit oh, like a, a sidestep horrible now, yeah i actually don't remember was it like this in raging blast one do you even remember yeah you're asking the wrong guy like i said i played it <laughs> twice um but it's like if there's a certain area around your character and i don't know if it's the f- that it's too big of an area or that it's there at all right but it's just that once you get so close to your opponent the x button changes functions it's no longer the dash now it's this little flippity doodah, like you said. You know, it doesn't really. It, 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 it's a hindrance to me. I, I get so frustrated when I get in close because I can't move the character where I want to go. That, that's exactly it. We're at the point when you're in that range that you don't feel like you're in control of the character anymore. Yeah, I, and the, first of all, they move slow as Christmas when they're inside this oh. little bubble. <laughs> and, they do. Yeah. Do you feel like there are any other times? You're saying that you don't feel like you're always in control like you did in Meter. What are some of these other elements where they're just, they're either not responding on time or doing something different from what you expected? I know for sure the trans, the uh, teleport button. Yeah. It was, yeah. It's now, it's a shoulder button, mm-hmm. which I don't think that was a right decision. I know they've made, I can see that they've made concessions for it, but it's still not as responsive. You can't, you don't have as much control over your index finger as your thumb in that position. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't feel like I'm doing it every time like I should be and I can't oh my tell God, why you should have seen me you, you could see me teleport in Tenkaichi 3 and then just watch me just get pinballed all the time yeah, in yeah. Raging Blast 2 it's it's I know what they do they um whenever you're recovering you're tapping the button it starts to slow down the animation just right before your character hits you mm-hmm. so they've definitely made concessions for that for that teleport because it is harder to hit and I am able to do it sometimes but it, it's just so inexact yeah yeah and I feel like that's a lot of this game it's just inexact is a great word to describe a lot of stuff and it's not just in close there are a lot of times where I'm far away and I don't feel like I'm flying right into the it's I almost don't know how to put it in words it's the kind of thing where you don't know what exactly is off but you can tell something's just not right yeah and like I was talking about earlier when you're when you're rushing in and there's this moment where whenever you press the x or button to to zoop to get closer to your opponent because you're expecting to dragon dash and you don't do it. I think that's what it was called in the other one, but right, you're right. expecting to dash towards them and you don't. You you kind of zoom in like you kind of like step forward. Um, what happens is there's this small moment of recovery that your character has to do, like the animation has to finish. Yeah, you can't attack and your opponent can. So there's absolutely no point in stepping in because that just gives that just provides an opening for your opponent to hit you, start a rush on you. Yeah, and so it's it's. 
what I end up doing is when I get into that little bubble, I start punching the air before mm-hmm. I get near them because mm-hmm. I just, I can't give them that opening. I just have to start punching the air and hoping I make contact and start wailing on it. Yeah. You, you hope that maybe punch three or four is going to connect with them as they're yeah, walking they, into they, it. They, wa- they step forward each little punch. So yeah, it's, it's that little area there that's killing me. And what I have happened all the time is I'm punching air and because they're the computer, they know that they can do that jump backward. And as no, they, yes. As they jump backward, I finish my punching animation and have to go back to normal. They dash right in and do their, you know, perfect attack on me. Yeah, see, and I don't know if maybe I'm not playing the game right. That's very possible, but that's my first instinct. That's how I react to the game, either because I played the game before or because that's just how it should be. I just don't feel like they've made any sort of effort to add fluidity between the player and the character. Let me ask you this question. I feel like there are so many things that are available to you. I talked about this with the first game. Raging Blast added all these different things you can do, different ways to be offensive, defensive, and eventually I did learn them all and I knew when to do them. I wonder if these games are so fast-paced and I feel like you need to be playing at a slower pace to accurately use everything at your disposal. I feel like they've developed a fighting engine for what could be a slower game, but because it's Dragon Ball, you have to be blasting all over the place and they've got animations to finish that just don't meld with all of those options. Does that make yeah, sense? The, the, I know what you're saying. The animations sort of clash, clash with the gameplay. Yeah. Even when you're far away and you're rushing to the side, there's this little finishing animation after you your aura disappears that you can't move. You can't attack or defend. And if they're already headed towards you, you're just, you're SOL. You can't, there's nothing you can do. Is that what you were talking about? That all being said, I have found that overall, I do feel relatively in control of my character and I am making them do most of the time what I want them to do. And especially as you go through all the modes and you're fighting more and more and more, it does become more that extension of you. But I don't think that Raging Blast 2 is going to reach that level that even someone like me felt in Meteor. And I can only imagine what it was like for you in that game. Oh yeah, I was a fucking king, man. <laughs> Is there anything else about the gameplay that you want to talk about? The gameplay, like the rushes, the animation for the rushes, the little cinematics that happen, I really like those. I think that so many of them are just so great. Like uh, Metacooler, I know you said you hadn't unlocked him, but he has one where he rushes in, hits his opponent up in the air, and as they're flying back, the camera switches perspective to what he's seeing, his little computer chip, uh-huh. and... There's this filter applied where your character, where the opponent is all white and there's little arrows like he's looking through a scouter. It's just, it's so great. There's so many little touches, like graphical touches that make it really cool and really fun to play. Though they do wear a little thin if you use them over and over. They're just, it's, it's interesting to see them for the first time. And I think that's kind of a pattern with these games. Once you've seen all there is to see, there's really no interest. You did that with the giant roster in Meteor where we joked about, all right, we have a pool. I'm going to play as him. I'm going to do a super attack to see what it's like. Is that a detriment to the gameplay where it's just this kind of sugarcoating to what otherwise would be just a standard series of attacks for everyone? Yeah, I'm not sure what it is because I can't exactly pinpoint what makes it so different from other fighting games because the basic concept is the same. Obviously, the gameplay is different, but every character in other fighting games have specific moves, yet I don't 
quite get as tired of those games. You know right. what I'm talking about? Yeah, we're, we're on the same page there. The cinematic rushes are very cool. They're very interesting to see. But I think that may be to their detriment that there's that a, maybe they're too long or maybe that they need to add more variety, like several different animations for them. But it's just after you've seen them so many times, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, hurry up. I just want to fight now. We're getting to the question of, does that mean it's not a real fighting game? Does it not really have any depth? Is it all superficial on the surface? Or is there something deeper in there that's really good? It's just being held back. Well, what's the meaning of life, Mike? It's a little more complicated <laughs> than that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you can't, you, you, I mean, sure, you can say, yes, this is a real fighting game. No, this isn't. But I think that there's too many variables to consider. And I have my own thoughts on the issue. Is it a real fighting game? I don't know if that really matters. I mean, at the end of the day, if you enjoy the game, then, you know, just play it. That is very true. I, I guess I, I phrase it in a way that almost seems ruder toward the game than what I intend. I guess what I'm saying is, does it have enough longevity, not equal to other fighting games, but even standing on its own? Or is what you're going to come back to the cinematics? But like you said, mm. at the end of the day, does that even matter if you're having fun? Yeah, well, no, I don't think it has enough longevity. I think that's why they put them out every year. Well, they got to keep true. interest in it. There, there's definitely something about the games that just wears thin over time. And even, even the most hardcore of players... We'll get tired of it. Anything else you want to talk about with the gameplay before we get into uh, Galaxy Mode here? Um, nah. I just, I, I like some things. I dislike other things. Overall, I'm having fun with it. All right, let's talk about this because there is no traditional story mode in this game. I guess what would be the story is plan to eradicate the super science. You watch a 30-minute feature. There's your story. Go play with these characters. <laughs> what we have instead is something called Galaxy Mode, and it's a series of fights it's almost like a Mario 3 or Mario World kind of map where you beat one stage, you go on to the next stage. Every character has their own series of these interconnecting dots. And pretty much all of them have some sort of a set of circumstances where you're losing health this battle. Defeat your opponent. They're all starting in Raging Soul, which is something we didn't even talk about. Have fun fighting them. For me, I've made a giant post about this on Daisenshu EX forum. I've been playing these games year in, year out. I mean, sometimes two or three times a year. How many times? Times can I play Raditz to Boo with or without cutscenes? I need something new. Is this what I wanted? Maybe. Well, I'm very much not like you at all. For all intents and purposes, I don't think I've ever played a story mode all the way through. I've already seen a show. I don't need to do it. Right. Um, what I do is, when I can, I download 100% saves, and I have all the characters I can play with my friends. That's really all I want. Uh, you can't do that now with these consoles because of online modes, but um, for what it is, Galaxy Mode... I don't know. I'm, I'm actually kind of, I don't want to say liking, but I'm not totally hating going through all these. It does, it's, it's just as tedious as the game itself. Yeah, it, it is. When you can kind of get into the mindset of, okay, all these new challenges that are being presented to me, not only has it kind of made it a little more interesting for each fight, but it's also helped me get better at the game. You know, I if feel you start the same at, way, yeah. If you start with Goku and you go through his story mode, it's mostly easy stuff. But as you go down through the through the roster, I think one of the hardest ones I played was like uh, was one of the cooler armored squads. Like you, you you get down to the more unlockable characters and their story mode, they're they're a little harder. When you go in order, I feel like the difficulty curve is relatively easy to get used to. And if you go if you go in the I don't want to say right order, you can jump around if you feel so inclined. But if you go in the order it's presented to you, I feel like you will learn the game a lot better than even training mode because the challenges that are presented to you are just incrementally more difficult every, every time. 
we were talking all these different scenarios and you just feel like you're very accomplished as you move forward where it's constantly giving you feedback. You're doing this great. You're doing this great. You've got all of these perfect actions, whatever the title is for that. And all these crazy numbers. Yeah. The way it presents it is so bright and flashy and you just, you feel really good once you get all them. You unlock this, you unlock that. This galaxy mode, I feel like I just want to do one more, one more. All right. I got six Dragon Balls. I may as well just go and do another character in Galaxy Mode. and Yeah, I found myself through. doing the exact same thing. Yeah. The whole point is really, I guess, to unlock all the characters going through here. Do you feel like you're ever going to come back to this mode now that you have all the characters? Now that I have all the characters, I don't see myself going back a whole lot. But there were a couple instances where I was like, well, I got, what, I got like four Dragon Balls. I can go ahead and get the other ones. Or, or I was looking through my pictures and I was like, you know, I should unlock some more pictures of Tension Han because... Well, he's my favorite character. But I also wanted some more pictures of... I wanted to see what the pictures of Tarble would be, for example. And I went through his um, story mode, and I, there were no pictures. Not until the very end. I finally got a picture of Tarble, and it, was some, it wasn't from the jump special. It was something they drew for the game. Oh. It looked like a screenshot from a movie or something. It's very misleading. They did the same thing for Super Saiyan 3 Vegeta, and I'm sure they're going to do it for Broly. Yeah, I haven't yeah. gone through his, but but it's 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 very interesting what they've done. I, I don't know. I can't say that I mind it. I think it's pretty cool, but the other, the pictures from the real show, they just look so gorgeous. They do. I don't know what they've done with them. I don't know if they're Dragon Box frames, but even further cleaned up, or if they're stuff from cells. Whatever it is they've done, there's the pan shots that look great, the still shots, they just, they're bright, mm. they're colorful, they're, we wish the show looked like this all the time, I guess. Oh yeah, it looks, it looks fantastic. And what, the game's run at 720p, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't help but wonder if that would be possible for in motion, because it just <laughs> looks so good. I doubt it, but it's, it's good to have there. And I'm, I find even the ridiculous shots, I think there's a close-up of Dende's face kind of crying is one of the first ones I got. <laughs> but even those, they look so nice that I don't mind looking at them. Yeah, I don't even mind the studio live shots we've got in there. <laughs> there's just good stuff in there. This galaxy mode, it validates every single thing you do, and that's a good feeling. Uh, I don't know if it's going to contribute or hinder its longevity at all. I don't think any of us really want to go through and get a complete 100% on it. That just seems a little overboard, but I'm sure people have. Oh, yeah. Well, it's okay for what it is, and the the little rewards that it's given me has kept me going, and I've got all the characters now, and I, I might go back, but I'm... I can't, I don't know, I'm not saying that I'm in any hurry to do so. Right. Let me ask you about one of the other single player modes. Galaxy mode is the big one, but there's also something called Battle Zone, which for the most part is very similar to the Galaxy mode, where it's a series of fights with some kind of special thing where you got to do this and the opponent has this special thing and you fight it and you get an unlockable item at the end. I guess the only real difference is that you get to choose which character you're going to use going through these zones. Is this just a slapped on extra? Do you feel like he need to bother with it um i'm going to say that yes for sure it is because i haven't even touched it and <laughs> i haven't even noticed i i don't know where it is i've gone through the galaxy mode and i've gotten all the characters and that's really all i cared about yeah i mean you don't even need to touch this mode to unlock all the characters you get some extra i think aura color changes that kind of stuff and maybe some other items but playing through galaxy mode you get all the items that you need for galaxy mode in galaxy mode so you don't really need to venture out yeah speaking of those items i I really don't see the point in having multiple seals like yeah <laughs> like they they have um i guess it's a way to keep you 
from going through everybody's story mode, you have to go through other ones and unlock the right seals. But, right. but I've really just like the ones that are easy, you can muscle your way through them. You can play it without getting hurt if you're on the near death. But like, what, what really does it's fake difficulty? It is. You know, does it that is. make any sense? No, it's, it's not totally. I don't know how to explain it. It's just not very thoughtful game design. It just feels fake. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's a way for them to extend this galaxy mode because otherwise it would just be a series of fights with every single character, which it is. But I guess by giving you these different items and different levels of sealing off these effects, they at least trick you into thinking that you're unlocking more stuff and playing more difficult. Yeah, really, it's just, yeah, exactly. So that's the single-player experience. You mentioned that you played a little bit online. Do you have anything to say about that? Oh, it is smooth as butter. And this is coming off of uh, Budokai Tenkaichi 3, which I think I tried to get online once and never did again because (laughs) I I don't really feel like gnawing my other leg off. (laughs) I hear it was an awful experience. I played them on PS2, so I don't know, but... Yeah, well, how was that disc fusion? Oh, it was... Very exciting, sitting there waiting for the other game to load and and just playing more fights. Yeah, well, the the online mode it's it's very smooth. It, I feel like I'm in the room playing with this person. I yeah. haven't talked to anybody. I, I haven't really gone in the voice chat, but I I did notice that there were no slowdowns in the gameplay at all. It was very smooth, very fun. It was it was a good experience. Other than the fact that everybody in the whole world is better at this game than me, <laughs> I felt the exact same way about Raging Blast One, where the online was like it was butter. But I just got my ass handed to me whenever I play it. Yeah. So, so be it. We were talking about some of these characters earlier. I guess we'll start wrapping things up. We're up to 90 characters now in Raging Blast 2. That's counting all the different transformations. We have some new additions that we haven't really seen before. We've got all of Kula's Armored Squad. We've got number 14 and number 15 from DBZ Movie 7. And we've got Hachiyaka as a playable character. We've got returning from the first game, Super Saiyan 3 Broly and Vegeta. Is this exciting? Do you feel like you're getting some new experiences or is it creeping into meteor territory where it's bottom of the barrel? Um, I'm going to be perfectly honest and tell you that the entire reason I got this game was for Tarble. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really like that he's in this game. It was something that I thought of immediately when I was watching that, 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 uh, special. I was like, Oh my God, I got to play as these characters. But, but I, uh, Tarble is a great addition. I'm very happy he's in there. I know some people don't really think he fits because he's not really a fighter, but it's good fan service. And if it anything, is, yeah. Spike is good with fan service. It's they true, know very what. True. Yeah. And Kula's Armored Squad, I really like them too. I feel like, uh, they've done a fantastic job capturing the personalities of these characters that couldn't have been on screen for more than four minutes. Like Nez, I, I especially like playing with Nezu. I think he's very, he's very interesting, very reptilian in his movement. And it's, it's a very interesting part of the presentation. And I like those characters. I play as them a lot. Yeah, you're right. They do have a lot of character to them, despite not being around for all that long. I've got uh, all of Kula's Armor Squad unlocked. I haven't played as them yet. I'm kind of looking forward to using Naze and uh, Dore just to see how they play. I mean, you've got the little lizard dude and you've got the kind of big bulky dude. <laughs> yeah. Are they going to be different from some of the other equivalent characters? I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward well, to Well, Nezu that. is for sure. I can vouch for that. Oh, he, that's he, good to hear. Um, and the androids, I never have gotten used to playing the androids in this game because I keep wanting to charge up. I know, and I know. I get why they did it because it's true to the show. It kind of makes sense, but... It's just unplayable. Yeah, they, they really are. Some of those missions, I think with number 19 in Galaxy Mode, just at least one of them, I think it gave you constantly regenerating key to help you 
power through that. Yeah. Just do super moves yeah. over and over. But overall, yeah, I don't know why you'd want to play as them unless you really like the characters all that much. Where do you think they could go from here? Are we just going to get to a pool and Frieza Soldier A in Raging Blast 3? Or are they going to flesh out maybe all of Bojack's minions and will they play any differently? Where do you think we can go? Yeah, that's, I was actually wondering that myself. Um, with this whole Hatchiac thing, they've kind of set a precedent of, wow, you know, we've really got something to offer with this game. And I don't know if they're really going to successfully go back on that. So they have to outdo themselves next time. And yeah. uh, it was a very cool addition to the game. The, the the animated special, the character itself. I don't I can't say I played with him a whole lot, but I like that he's there. Um, so the only thing I can think of, and uh, you heard it here fo- first, folks. I think the next game is going to have an animated special with Majin Ozatu as the main villain. I will have you know that it's actually not the first time you heard it because it was heard earlier in this exact podcast episode. Oh, okay. Well, you heard it here second, (laughs) folks. We were saying the exact same thing where clearly all they can do now is dig into the past and pull some carcasses up. Who can they throw into something? And yeah, they set that precedent. Now with the next game, they need to include a special and a revived (laughs) character because yeah, 14 and 15 are exciting, but here's a character that most of you don't even know about, but he's yeah. real, so he's kind of validating Yeah, that's, that a, that's definitely the angle they played with the North American release of uh, the uh, plan to eradicate the super signs. Uh, on the back of the cover, though, it's a very interesting description. I think it says something about newly restored old anime or something like that. It was very yeah, yeah. strangely worded, as if the person who wrote it had no idea what they were talking about. But. <laughs> Which is true, because we heard some kind of interview where someone's like, and it was never finished, so we yeah. finished it. Eh, I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, but, but you could see the angle that they're playing it, and I don't know if they can really do anything else. I mean, they have to step them they have to step up their game for the next one too so i'm very interested in seeing what they do but as far as the movie henchmen like you were saying earlier i definitely think that we're gonna see some more of those i mean i know what is what is the character bido or bido there's bido bujing gokua uh i think that's it and then zangya we already have yeah that one that one guy he's the one without the goatee he can transform like bojack yeah yeah and the other guy has magical powers. They, they could do some interesting things with those henchmen. I'd like to see them in the next game. I've been wanting them for a while. I mean, we've had Zangya going back to Super Butoden 2 back in the Super Famicom days. I mean, she's been around. Time to flesh out that team. Give us the rest of these yeah. people. And I know you were saying uh, once on the forum, talking about how uh, we should have the uh, Tullus's group with him and that gooey looking dude with the guns on his back <laughs> yes yes yeah that'd be that, that's a cool character too they should put him in the next one i think so and he could probably act as an android-esque character because he doesn't seem to be a real living thing so yeah have him play like that i think that's really all we can do from here is introduce some more henchmen and dig up some kind of old villain to toss into the mix yeah well that's not to it's not to this game's detriment i think that this game has a lot to offer as it is and it does not you know talking about about oh well they could do this next i i kind of feel like that's the trap of these games is that we're always waiting for it it is but we've done that with every single generation of every single game it goes back to the famicom games to the super famicom games then we kind of got into the playstation era where everything was a little different but then ps2 we had budoka one two three we had sparking one two three now we're on raging blast mm-hmm. two so we know to expect another version except in the case of burst limit that didn't seem to happen but oh yeah that's such a tragedy too it is i went back i was playing that a little bit maybe two weeks ago and i was having a really good time with it and it sucks that we're not 
doing anything with that. But yeah, we, we fall. Trap is a great way to describe it. So we're playing this now. And I feel like I don't even remember Neo. I remember Meteor because that was the last one. And you just kind of discard these prior versions. I think they almost, I don't want to say they discard proof to this game by introducing an animated feature, but that's something that really sets it apart from anything they've ever done. And that helps yes. this game a lot. I, mean, I saw people that are buying it just to watch it. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't recommend doing that. It, no, I don't feel I like wouldn't. it's worth it, but. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I mean, um, Meteor left, obviously left a huge impression on me, but I had absolutely no expectations and was just blown away by it. I kind of feel like the same thing happened here. I was so disappointed by Raging Blast. I had only played it twice. Uh, when I got Raging Blast 2, I had zero expectations. I basically got it because Tarble was in it. They had the new animated special and I wanted to share a game with my brothers and, uh, so I, I picked it up and I don't, I don't regret it. It was a good decision. I'm having a good time with it. And I wasn't expecting to because of Raging Blast 1 just left such an awful taste in my mouth. I'm having a much better time than I thought I would. And that's that's a good thing. And uh, mm -hmm. I hope it lasts longer. I don't think it will. It's going to be another case where I unlock all the characters. I write the review and it's probably going to be it until next November. But so be mm -hmm. it. Yeah. It's good overall. It was a good, it was a good game. It was, it is a good it game. It was more solid than I was anticipating. And I don't know if that, I don't know what that says, but there's something decent in here. I said the same thing about the PSP game. There's something decent in here. There's a good game underneath it. And I think this game, much more than the PSP game, they showcased what those good aspects were. There's just some bullshit pulling it down as there always is. And if mm -hmm. they can work their mm -hmm. way through that. I think we can have a really, really standout game. I think Spike is capable of it. I give them a lot of shit. I think they can do it. I just don't know that this yearly cycle is going to allow them to do it. Yeah, I kind of feel like the yearly cycle is a blessing in disguise for some because you can cherry pick which games you're going to buy because you yeah. can almost count on them coming out. And uh, with what the precedent set by Raging Blast 2, and I know I just said we shouldn't do this, but Raging Blast 3 is definitely going to be a pretty bitchin' game if you haven't played the ones before it. Right. So, I mean, there's so many other things we could talk about. We didn't even talk about Raging Soul. We talked about the camera a little uh, what bit. What is there to talk there. about? That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many additions to the game that, I mean, we could probably talk for another hour about all the little intricacies of offensive techniques and the like. Do you think that people should pick this up? If they didn't like Raging Blast 1, I mean, it sounds like even on your end, you didn't, but there's enough in here to keep you going with it. So is it a solid purchase? Is it a solid $60 purchase? Is it a solid $60 purchase? That's that's difficult. I mean, it really depends on what you're looking for. I didn't mind paying the 60 bucks because there were things I wanted to see, but I can definitely understand why you might want to wait till this is in the bargain bin. And uh, I mean, it really just, it depends. I mean, we've had enough of these games. You know if you're going to like it or not. Yeah, I mean... Dragon Ball games. There's been so many games. You know if you want to get it or not. I don't know that a review can help anyone, but we do it mm. anyway. So it's we talk about it, even though people have already made up their minds about it. I feel like Dragon Ball games in particular, you're either going to buy it or you're not because you're a Dragon Ball fan and you play the Dragon Ball games or you don't. Well, I mean, uh, there's also the the whole uh, Nicktoons broadcast and the CW broadcast. So we That's might be true. getting some new fans. We might get some new blood. And I think this is a pretty good game to introduce people into the, the, the Dragon Ball Ball Z game gaming phenomena that it is, or if you can use that word, but no, yeah, it, it's a better introduction than the first game would be. That's for damn sure. Yes, yes. 
<laughs> All right, we got to wrap this up because we could just talk forever. I want you to come back when Raging Blast 3 invariably drops next November. I mean, mm-hmm. not, oh, yeah. not announced, but we can pretty much count on something next year. So, Dustin, thank you so much. It's great to have someone that I can talk to and know what I'm talking about when I say X dashes in or doesn't dash in. So do you want to toss anything out there before we uh, call it a day here? Plugs, final thoughts, anything you want. You got the floor. Um, yes. Uh, do more Dragon Ball Z animation. I guess that's all. <laughs> I got. I have the YouTube. I guess I could plug. I got my YouTube channel. I don't do much on it anymore. It's Inagata de DBZ, and um, my blog is in a blog of Davida. I guess you can put the links in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, if you're really interested in what I have to say, it w- I wouldn't be. But if you are, you can go ahead and check those out. Awesome. Well, like I said, thanks so much for talking about these games with me. All right. Well, it was a pleasure. We're about halfway through November. We only have one thing left coming out this month that I'm aware of. So I guess we'll close out this month. And just to have more than one thing to say, we'll take the beginning of December. Mary, get us going. Okay, so November 17th, that's a Wednesday. We've got the French Kanzenbahn Dragon Ball Volume 11 from Glenot. It is 10.55 euros, but you can pre-order it from Amazon France for 10.02 euros. Whoa. Yeah. I feel like I've been talking about this one forever. Yeah, well, I mean... The concept, it just continues to come out in France. Good on them, I say. Uh, going over to Japan in December, December 3rd, Friday, Dragon Ball Kai DVD single disc. It is the Jinzo Ningen and Cell Arc Volume 3. Overall, this would be 21 of the Dragon Ball Kai DVDs. Episodes 58 through 60, you know the DVDs there, 16 by 9, cropped standard definition. MSRP is 2940 in yen. CD Japan pre-order 2800. Amazon Japan pre-order 2176. That's going to do it for releases for now. Not a whole hell of a lot to talk about. Let's do an email. We're going to take one email this week. This one comes to us from Jake from across the pond. Jake says, Hi, Mike and Mary and everyone at the house of DizX.com. First off, love the show and love the site. Over the years, you have been to many different conventions. What has been your favorite Dragon Ball cosplay you have personally seen? As a little extra, here's a picture of our Dragon Ball cosplay group all of us UK fans had at the London MCM Expo at the end of October, including a Trunks. So Mary can enjoy. Sweet. Cheers for a great podcast. Podcast, Jake. P.S. I'm the Jeeves cosplayer and my fiance, Karis. Karis? What do you think? Karis? Karis? I don't know. Karis? Is uh, Kaioshin. So let me open this up. Mary, here is the cosplay group. Oh, pretty wow. good here, right? So nice. I gotta say, the Kaioshin's pretty awesome. Oh, okay. My mic was covering it. <laughs> That's really good. It is really good. There's some great stuff in here. Props oh, there's a Bardock. Yeah, so yeah, cool. yeah. So I guess the question is, and I'm sure I know what the answer is going to be, best Dragon Ball cosplay you've ever seen. I'm not sure because like in the last five years alone, I feel like they've gotten so awesome. Oh, come and, on. Like, it's, people- the, it's the Canadians. That's a group. I thought you you had something specific in mind. Pick anything they've ever done. Probably I, that's, what I'm, that's why <laughs> I'm saying the last five years have been really awesome and they always pick the most cool, obscure outfits yeah, from like yeah. random pictures or episodes. So oh. you're thinking of a single one. No, I'm not. I'm saying just in general, the last five years have been awesome, so I can't pick any. (laughs) I'm with you. Uh, They're just fantastic. Everything they do, from the makeup to the hair to the fabric. details. It's just mind-blowing. But uh, yeah, the resurgence of Dragon Ball cosplay has been really nice to see. We've talked about this a little bit, how it's it's cool to like Dragon Ball again in public at conventions. So that's leading to some uh, pretty fun cosplay. I don't know that I could pick my single favorite that I've seen either. I think anyone who really goes out of their way with 
like awesome piccolos or anything that requires additional body paint and appendages, those are the ones that get my maddest props. I don't know. I think from this year, the one that stands out was Sad 16. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, not in a good way, though. That was because so I've never fun. seen a 16 before, so that, and he was that totally stood in out character, to me. just moping around. Yeah. Poor dude, ragging on him. He put so much effort into that. It's his fault from moping around. Mary, people have questions, comments, all the good stuff. You can send emails on to podcast at diezex.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com. You can also contact us on Twitter at diezex and on Facebook at facebook.com slash diezex. I've been sharing some stuff on the Facebook page, previewing the uh, forgotten characters that we talked about this episode. So uh, make sure you join up and get some sneak peeks and links and news and all that good stuff. Mary, that's going to wrap up episode 239 of our podcast. Five year anniversary, bro. Yeah, uh, I believe it was November 19th. So between this episode and the next episode, we have officially been doing the podcast for five years. Daizen Shui X is hitting its 13th year in January. Temple of Trunks existing for Likewise, that long as well. Existing, yes, let's say existing. It <laughs> exists on the internet. That's right. So we're very excited to continue onward and have you along for the ride with us. Next week on the show, come heaven or hell, we are doing a manga review of awesomeness. I will make it happen. We will be starting up the boo arc of the story finally. Oh my god! I can't believe we're doing it. So look forward to that. For those of you who are new and haven't heard one because we delayed it I think three or four months, what the plan was is to go through the manga volume by volume, first episode of every new month, give a little recap, give some perspectives. You got some of us who've read it before, Jeff who's totally new to it. We get those virgin new perspectives. I always love that. That's what you can look forward to next week. So Mary, thank you for joining us this week. We will see you next week. Yes. So for Mary over there, for Julian off in Japan and god damn it he's gonna be on the show again soon all those fine folks my name is Mike Fujito EX we will see you next week for episode 240 of our podcast see you then Well, I think uh, the alien from planet Synthesizer, which is how you pronounce it. Um, Anyway, this is the guy from uh, Alien from Planet Synthesizer. Uh, okay, you're have to you're you're have to say the name, but we're definitely talking. <laughs> you're have to say the name. Wow, this is off to a great start, Jake. Well, this is why I try not to appear on the podcast too often because the only way I can maintain this appearance <laughs> that I actually know what I'm talking about is if people don't hear me speak. <laughs> what game is this? Just so I know. Anyway, it's a uh, Daimao Hukatsu. All right, so they'll they'll be our runner up because they're not technically original to games. Yeah. I love how we just make stuff up. As, this is how the podcast goes. <laughs> this, this is how it always goes. <laughs> Let's make up a rule right now. It's the Toriyama style. Make up a rule and then break it immediately. <laughs> I think I'm pretty much uh, ready to go. You guys good? I mean, we're already doing it anyway. So I think so. Okay. Remember that little filler stuff? What is it? When Vegeta's fighting 18? Isn't there a football team that gets out of a bus or something? They're like a weird wrestling football wrestling team. Football? These are all like punks. They're <laughs> like pro wrestlers, but they're football players. I don't know why I just randomly thought of that. Fun times. How come yeah. they're not playable in the know, game? I don't know, but if they get desperate enough, you never know. <laughs> all right. You good? Yeah. <laughs>